This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Dr. Matt here. Your coach. Your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Good to be with you, my friends, and uh, taking on Tuesday with you. Book Lovers Day, by the way. This is the day. If you if you have a book that you love, this is the day you bring it in close. You cuddle up with it. You give it some love. A little kissy whiz. It's also, by the way, uh, National Polka Day. One of the greatest days of all time. The day the accordion became a major instrument. The Why are you looking at me that way, Terry? I played accordion as a child. I bet you you did. This is a very big day for our family. National Polka Day. You do seem like the kind of person that would play the accordion. What does that mean? There's just a type. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you can't explain it really. It's just kind of an aura around is you. Is it? Uh, my mom called it magnetism. Mm, no. My mom always, Charisma? My mom always taught me that it's a gentleman that can play the accordion, but doesn't. Hmm. Well, your mom was rude. <laughs> Not to be rude of your mama. No, it's accordion, We, you know, the hand organs, we call it. Hmm. But uh, it's one of the hardest instruments to play because you've got to have shoulder strength. I don't know. This doesn't really sound hard to play. Oh, listen to that. Mm-hmm. So what's the technique that's going into this particular song? Well, no, you got to know. They're playing with their right and their left hand, and they can't really see the keys. And they're pulling it open and then closed. Open. And then they got to turn it and close it. It's You're, so using, huge- you're easily using... Two muscles. It's a huge chest workout. Like you go to the gym and they call them what the, the uh, you do like flies on the bench. You yeah. lay back on the bench and you yeah. Have, my same thing. You're just building. I your used pecs. to be ripped. My pecs. Every my pecs every accordion player is just ripped. Total beach body. Totally. By the so, way, to all of you beach body ripped, large pectoral muscle polka people, happy national. Polka I was uh, flipping around on the thousands of cable channels that we get with these packages we can get. Yeah. And uh, there's a uh, channel that has a polka hour almost every night of the week, live from Minnesota. Minnesota. And it's in some some community hall, and these people are having the greatest time of their life. My wife's like, why are we watching this again? I go, big fan of polka here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) We're watching some polka. Now, by the way, not to be confused with Pokemon. Pokemon, but this polka. is polka. It's interesting. And if you go to Jamaica and do the polka, it's called Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> wow. But seriously, folks, hey, we got a great show. We're going to be talking about open spaces. Mm. It seems like you know we used to we used to have these open spaces where there was debate and people would bring their ideas and we just have an open discussion of ideas. Now it's all on the interweb, where we can call each other names, make fun of each other. Face-to-face might be a little bit more civil, whereas you have some anonymity, you just start lobbing firebombs at each other. And, right. Yeah. 
So we're going to bring on a guest that's talking to us today about the need for more public spaces to have public discourse. We always see protesters that need to go to a protest zone, like during the conventions, Mm -hmm. they designated a place where you could go protest. But what about a place where we could just openly discuss ideas? Well, that's what Congress is for. Yeah, but you can't just walk in there and openly discuss ideas. No, they have... You'll be openly arrested. There are rules of parliamentary procedure. Right. Okay, see, I was trying to do that the other day, but I was removed from the building. Right. Well, there's some people that have that right, and there's other people that really shouldn't. And And are just a public nuisance. Yeah, so we're we're actually helping all of society by Mm -hmm. stopping it. So Mm -hmm. we together can get rid of that public nuisance. No, 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 you are the nuisance. And it's very public now. Oh. Now everybody knows. We just put it out there. Okay. Okay, well. (sighs) Anyway, good to have you here, Ben. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll talk about uh, public spaces, also uh, a little update on the Trump world and the Olympics. But first, let's get to the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Sadie, what's up? A poll released Monday shows Democrat Hillary Clinton leading Republican Donald Trump by double digits, building greatly upon her two-point lead before party conventions last month. Clinton earned 50% support among likely voters to Trump's 37%. The poll further found Clinton to be leading Trump in 10 swing states, with 42% support to his 34%. Donald Trump's in, or Donald Trump ignored 14 interruptions from protesters Monday to present the biggest tax revolution since the Reagan tax reform. During his economic economic policy address, Trump proposed greatly simplifying the tax code by cutting it down from seven brackets to the House Republicans proposed three and suggested an across-the-board income tax reduction, especially for middle-income Americans. Susan Collins, a Republican senator from Maine who previously rebuked many of Donald Trump's comments, officially said she will not vote for him in an op-ed for The Washington Post. She cited specific incidents of his indecency, including his continued war of words with the Gold Star Khan family. And finally, a New Jersey man ended up with two separate obituaries in the same newspaper due to disagreements between his wife and his girlfriend. Two separate obituaries printed in Friday's edition of the Press of Atlantic City State Leroy Blast Bill Black died Tuesday of lung cancer at age 55. The dueling obits bear <laughs> one important difference. One states he is survived by his loving wife, Beretta Harrison Black, and the other insists that his uh, longtime girlfriend, Princess Hall, uh, wow. succeeds him. <laughs> the obituary mentioning his wife also lists his children, some of who are omitted from the second write-up. So moral of the story is... You only live once, but you might get two obituaries. If you're not careful, live a good life. Thanks, Sadie. Dueling obits. He died of lung cancer. It wasn't lung cancer. It was black lung. And they start fighting. How do you beat? I want three obits. I want one offered by my wife, one offered by my children, and one offered by my parole hearing committee. (laughs) He was a great man. He kept coming back for more. Anyway, uh, wow, lucky to be alive. Happy Tuesday to you, by the way. August 9th. And Donald Trump, we got to be careful because we throw out a poll, a national poll, which is totally real, that Hillary's like up in double digits, right? Yeah. So then everybody's thinking, ah, it's just a landslide. Here's the little dilemma, folks. Ohio, you ever heard of that little state? Donald Trump is only, or Hillary Clinton is only up in Ohio, which is a major swing state, by like, I think it's like half a point. Yeah. I came in like a so in one of the biggest swing states, he's still pretty close, except 
The governor there, Kasich, says there's no way I won't let him and go a couple, there. Was it a couple weeks ago, the, the story was that he was polling 0% with African Americans, very low with women, right? but still within that margin of error because he polls highly with men. Uh, and then Florida, he's just two points behind in Florida. That's a big deal. He's, he's like eight points behind in uh, Pennsylvania. But Donald, you know, everyone is ta- – they're talking like he's down and out. But he's not in two of the biggest swing states. You got to watch out. Uh, he he may, had a big announcement yesterday. His, his economic plan and his team, also known as 12 white men. And as Hillary said, five gays named Steve. <laughs> five guys named Steve. Apparently. But interesting that you would think that that would, you know, be a really powerful message. He he even was able to stay on message where they tried, I guess, 14 attempts. 14 attempts. There were 14 interruptions by protesters throughout his speech. It seemed timed, like every five minutes or so someone would stand up and start yelling, and then five minutes later, and on and on. He didn't take the bait. No. He didn't take the he bait. He said it was interesting how... how uh, planned and regimented the, the yeah. protests were, and then he moved on with his, his speech. He also noted that um, Bernie Sanders, his rebellion had a lot more energy than those 14 interruptions. Okay. He, he's the judge. But again, I think it's really cool. He didn't take the bait. So it's working. Whatever they're, whatever they're doing to sedate Mr. Trump, For the it, moment. it is working. For the moment. He has, a, he has a long track history, and he had one good day. <laughs> he had a great day. But except for the fact that... Uh, the GOP put out, not the GOP, but 50 past intelligence officials put together a list saying we will not support him. He's a loose cannon, dangerous man. Yeah. Former national, what, four, former head of Homeland Security, two two former yeah. heads, a bunch of ambassadors. Tom people, Ridge. People involved in Homeland Security, national uh-huh. security don't think that he is the guy. Can't do it. And all members of the GOP, apparently. Yes. So do you think that helps or hurts? I don't think... Most people pay attention to that. He's the outsider. But I would just say, well, sure, you're all the people that got us where we are. That's what he said. Did he say it? That's exactly how you beat that They're all the people that got us into the situation we're in. Oh, boy. Isn't this exciting? Uh, A McMullen, a new third-dish party candidate. Yes. Very kind of GOP-friendly. He said that Trump is inhuman. In his approach, did he did he say that? Yes, in, uh, no. inhumane or in not human. Well, inhumane. I hope inhumane, because if Donald Trump's not a human, he may know something more than we know. <laughs> might explain a lot of things. Uh, so, had a you'd think Donald would have had a good day yesterday, but then all of a sudden, you know, fifty people come out against you. You know, I hate it when people write a letter about us. Do and they? Fifty people sign it. Wow. That's rude. That's Unless rude. it's a birthday card, of course. Right. A little money inside. It's your <laughs> birthday. A little money. Did you watch the Olympics? No. Well, excuse me. I did watch uh, Team USA basketball. They were down by, they were tied with Venezuela 18 to 18 after the first quarter. Really? And you're watching this like, Venezuela? What happened? Versus the United States. Right. There's a bunch of guys, that, they kept pointing out all the guys on the Venezuelan team that had been cut from NBA teams. That's could, why. And then and then you go out well, they were Team USA was playing very sloppily. Okay. Turnovers, fouls, that kind of thing. Then after at halftime, they went on a between the first quarter and halftime, they went on a twenty five to four run. Mm-hmm. And then they ended up blowing them up by forty. Killing them. So 
The first quarter was interesting. The rest of it, eh. It's always fun when the first quarter's interesting, and then they blow them out. Yeah, and you're watching Twitter, and people are like, uh-oh, we're going to lose. And then, oh, that's okay. Everyone panics for about five minutes. Uh, coach Krzyzewski, the head coach yeah, of the U.S. team, him. was just red face steaming, going nuts. And he's a, co- a college coach. Yeah. So if Duke. he was coaching his Duke Blue Devils, he would grab a kid and just like start dressing him down for not playing well. But because they're all these pros, he had to keep all that within. You can't really yell Come at on, guys Kevin, that are pros. Come on, Kevin Durant, you little silly. Yeah. Get out there. You, gotta, you have to approach it differently. Yeah, I don't know how you coach pros. You don't. Well, you coach them, but you can't yell at them like they're kids. Yeah. Since they make five times what you make and don't have to and listen to you. And they could ruin your career. <laughs> Does um, the – I hear uh, the the American swimmer beat the Russian swimmer. She did? That was a big That was big news. There was a finger wag? The, the finger wag lady beat the the one that she had to wag her finger at by just a hair, which in a pool – and there's a celebration of uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, U.S. athlete who's wagging her finger at the Russian mm-hmm. athlete because the Russian athlete has past drug failures in her uh, on her raw or uh, I guess her history, so that you can see that maybe she was doing something wrong. The U.S. athlete was trying to make the point: this is a clean sport; you can't win by cheating. You can't. <sighs> I'm not able to watch the Olympics as much as I'd like to. But you said you had that super secret extra special super secret package of television. I'll just let me just tell you: yeah. if you have a remote with an A, B, C, and D on it, yeah, just hit C. Okay, and then you can see everything. Interesting. Yeah, it's right. just a little secret. Yeah, I just wanted everybody in on it. But you said you haven't watched. You didn't watch the Olympics the last, yesterday. The problem is here's hmm. what the problem is: life. The timing of all of these events. So by 8 or 9 o'clock at night, I'm watching some third-tier thing, and I'm too—I've I'm too, got to get to bed so I can't watch— Third-tier, like ping-pong? Well, I'm watching—what uh, did I watch last night that was like, Gah. I watched soccer. Oh. Was it soccer? But it, were, it was two teams I don't care about. Yeah. And there was only like three choices last night. Right. At the time, I had time to watch. Mm-hmm. But apparently, if you wait long enough, you can watch the review and replay well, of everything. All, it's all online. You can watch the replays of yeah. what happened during the day. I know. But I, I just am fascinated with this remote. Mm-hmm. Again, just hit C. So is it more just playing with a remote rather than the Olympics? or Did you know what else I found out about my remote? You what? can talk to my remote. Well, yeah, you said that yesterday. And you tell it what you want, and it just gives it to you. Hmm. Except food. I asked for, a, I ordered some curly fries. Right. They didn't show up? Nope. That's that's difficult for you. Disappointing. And what are you going to do? It was really disappointing. <laughs> so sad. But the Olympics, they're going well. And the U.S. is uh, doing pretty well in the leader uh, in the uh, medal board as well. And again, maybe that's not the best way to look at it. If you remember, we talked about the reason we should do the Olympics is to show peace and international love and respect of all countries. Ha! Die! Because we're ahead in the medals. Oh, what's happening to this world? We will take a break, folks. When we come back, we're talking public spaces. Do we need more public spaces where we can communicate, share insights, talk, bring, you know, disparate ideas and uh, communicate? Wouldn't that be great? Nah, you just want to get online, don't you, to do it? Stick with us, folks. Uh, We may be having a public space crisis and you didn't even know it. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. So good to have you with us. You know, uh, before the Internet, debates used to take place face-to-face in public spaces. However, uh, present circumstances find us in the middle of a public space crisis. Public spaces that used to be centers of democracy just don't exist anymore. Zenobia Talodi um, is an assistant professor of studio art at Dartmouth University and a research fellow at Harvard Graduate School of Design. She joins me now today by telephone to talk to us more about these uh, this public space crisis. Uh, Zenobia Talodi, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. You bet. Thank you for being with us. And I, I wanted to bring you on to talk about um, this public space uh, crisis, I guess, because as I watch people on the Internet or, and, and kind of pay attention to how people debate on the Internet, it seems to get kind of ugly and cold and mean and you can backbite because and you can I don't know, you can say things that you might not normally say in a face to face discussion. And it, and it seems to me if we're not having some of these discussions eye to eye, face to face, we might be losing something. And then I read um, some work by you about these public spaces. Are we are we really losing, you know, locations, places where we can have these type of debates? Yes, I guess there is danger uh, for something like that to happen. Uh, from one side, um, internet. We talk more and more in internet, like about sixty. 65% of American people uh, use social networking as a place to communicate with each other. And there is solidarity um, and uh, awareness among these platforms. But um, at the same time, there are some pitfalls using the uh, Internet as, like, the main public um, space for us. Yeah. And, and, um, and those, uh, those have to do that, um, for example, like, even if, like, Twitter or some other um, uh, platforms encourage, um, encourage some kind of uh, solidarity, as I mentioned, um, it's hard to keep momentum within these platforms or to have an actual change or to affect events in real life. Yeah. And as you mentioned, um, it, we often uh, reinforce polarization and there's hate speech and... We tend to speak to people that we like. Uh, we have similar opinions, like the echo chamber phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it seems like rolling of strangers and everything. It's and, almost like we um, don't know how to deal with each other because we never have to really look at each other eye to eye. In exactly, a you know exactly. And Sari Tackle, uh, who is social scientist and MIT professor, um, she has written many books about that. that how digital technology harms our abilities to communicate, to feel empathy, to uh, feel uh, self-reflect. Um, but also, also we have to acknowledge that social media is not accessible to all kinds of people. So we think it's a democratic, uh, internet is a democratic medium, but uh, not everybody mm. has access to it. And unprivileged people have less access to it. Sure. Obviously. Now, in the past, talk about public spaces in the past. Um, you know, you, I remember the learning about the Greeks and others that would that would sit and yes. talk in the open, you know, in the open kind of theaters. Talk about how it used to be. Yeah, since ancient Greece, uh, of course, public space has been vital to people and citizens. Um, 
I guess what is interesting, it has been the place where people debated everything. So um, they used to talk about current events, about business issues, like to the origin of the universe. But mostly they um, they did um, voting, uh, preserving the law, and they took uh, decisions all together in the public space, something that doesn't really happen today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, examples like the Athenian Agora, um, it's a place where multiple events take place uh, simultaneously. So from one side, there are the political uh, gatherings and activities, religion services, of course, the buying and selling of things, um, philosophical discussions, athletic events, educational events, art all these things coming together, that's very rare today in a public space. It's like we segregated it, right? Like, so we have our markets, and then you go to a theater, and then you yes. go, you know, to your home, but it, there's no place where everyone can go and discussions can take place. Exactly, yeah. And even now with politics it's, and, and the uh, elections, it's, it's rare that you go into a public space and you listen to a politician or, um, or you go to a gathering and you hear the opposite uh, opponent uh, talking about their plans for the future. So. And you have to almost be like receive, you know, permission, I guess, a, like a, you have to have some type of... Uh, I don't know, like a, a a legal right to do it. So you've got to get some be certified by the police to do it in some area now. Like whether you're going to have a protest or, or just you know an open discussion, is it uh, is what you what you're proposing? What you think should happen would be just more open spaces where anyone can go at any time to discuss. Course, yes, and uh, spontaneous uh, events take place and there is the element of surprise. And informal urbanism has many benefits that uh, Christoph Godzisko, an artist and former professor of mine has um, talked about that um, how like how like someone going to the public space cures their own trauma so public space hmm. can help you be better person. And um, right now, by segregating, as you're saying, the different activities of our lives, we lack this ability to um, to access something that was not expected, and therefore we are somehow preserved to our own, like initial, let's say, plans and hmm. problems. Yeah, and and it's one of the things you kind of underscore is that it's imp- it's going to impact our democracy. We don't have the ability, I guess, to stand and hear a differing opinion, um, yes. and, and so we we don't listen for other opinions. Yes, and um, that's. I mean, first of all, we need uh, spaces that encourage this type of activity. Um, for example, in ancient Agora, there were there were places for debate. There was a store where people, um, there wasn't any other function in a store. It was basically for people to talk to each other and debate about things. Or there was the bima where people stand and uh, say their opinion in public. And um, so we need from uh, us, the architects and artists and creative creative people, we need to uh, come up with these new types of buildings or contemporary types of buildings and structures that reinforce these type of activities. And then uh, uh, government and municipalities should encourage uh, codes and um, 
and uh, they should uh, try to find ways to have more open spaces and uh, to allow this type of uh, structures and activities to take place through the laws. Are, are these like parks? I mean, um, because too, it seems like we're losing even just a park, a place where your child or, could play or where you could go that's not, you know, just a high rise. Yeah, yeah, with parks it's very obvious, like or urban growth um, in dense cities uh, doesn't allow space for parks. And um, then we have the public uh, budget cuts, that they, there are no uh, budgets for parks, and, or there's not enough budget for maintenance, for staff. And then we also have private funding and the wealthy people um, sponsoring these parks. Therefore, the parks become uh, more uh, in, in convenient, let's say, for wealthy neighborhoods or for, for privileged areas. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. interesting that you, you have a degree and um, are studying design. And so I guess you're seeing this as, as a designer, I guess, as somebody that would be out in the, in, in partnering with governments and, um, I guess, private property owners to make sure that our designs include public areas, public spaces. Yes, this, this topic is not very well discussed. So from one side, there are the, all the creative people, architects, artists, creators, designers, and then from the other side, there are municipalities, governments, and policymakers. But we also have the social scientists that talk about this topic uh, more from an analytic point of view uh, without coming up with ideas. So I think these three types of agents should come together. So this, this topic is discussed, let's say, uh, without a lot of like cross bridges among these three different hmm. uh, entities. It's, it's fantastic, I think, that we – because we – if we don't – consciously think about something like space, open space, and free kind of free, you know, mm-hmm. freedom to speak space, um, I, we, we just can't assume it's going to be included. <laughs> and it's yeah. almost like we're, we're all giving it up because we think the internet is just as equally valuable as the kind of face-to-face space. But y- you're, you feel pretty strongly it's not, I hear. Yeah, and... Um yeah, I encourage this every day. Also at Dartmouth, it's a small, a small campus, and uh, students are always like with their cell phones. There, there are not a lot of public spaces, let's say, for them to forget their own late stress from the school, and um, they are always very well connected. New generation of people uh, suffers in a way from their um, attachment to the internet and spontaneity of like being in a public space and actively engage with other people. Mm. I, um, I, as one who has studied a lot of dialogue theory and the ability to create new meaning by being with people and talking with people, I totally appreciate uh, the, the open space idea. What are some ways that we can promote it, Zenovia? How, yes. how can we make sure that it's happening? Yeah, from my side, I try to design this type of Spaces and structures, and um, and also to uh, promote them through exhibitions. So I have an uh, an upcoming exhibition at Dartmouth uh, this fall. It opens September 20th. That it will display ideas uh, like these. 
Um, I also um, I teach courses on public space. So together with my students, we explore these ideas. For example, a few years ago, we went to Greece. Um, I taught a studio course. So um, mm. it's called Agora Studio, and my students uh, talk to architects, to municipalities, to developers, and they came up with ideas how to. Um, create structures and buildings that encourage this type of like public uh, interaction and uh, democracy. It's it's almost like we need to now teach our youth that they can that if there are public spaces that, that how to use them and how to go about creating. It sounds crazy a spontaneous event. It's almost like we've la- we now lack so much spontaneity. Even if we created the spaces, some people wouldn't know what to do with them. Yes, absolutely, and it's amazing always how students come with amazing ideas and uh, really innovative ways of um, uh, creating inclusive environments and um, making spaces for interaction, collaboration, empathy, and all these kind of things that are somehow neglected in public spaces. Mm. And and two, it sounds like um, we also probably need to pay attention to our government and make sure that they're not creating laws or rules. I know you talked about in one of your in your article that San Francisco to Philadelphia they have anti-homeless measures. So in effort in an effort to keep the homeless, I guess, out of these yeah. spaces, they actually might be creating a space where no one goes. Exactly. Yes. Um, this uh, I had this observation a few years ago that all all the materials in public space they are extremely harsh and uncomfortable. And I started paying attention to this in different countries and places. And uh, it's really hard to sit on a bench and fully relax on a public space. Um, uh, so they are unwelcoming for almost everyone in a way. The, yeah. The furniture and surfaces, materiality, so um, it becomes very discomfort. But yes, in, in particularly, I mean, most of the neighbors, for multiple reasons, they exclude homeless in an indirect way um, or unprivileged people. Well, I appreciate your time, um, Zenovia, because again, if it's something we're not even paying attention to, we we may not even know what we're missing. So your insight on these public spaces is very helpful. Again, uh, her name is Zenovia Tolodi, and uh, she is a fellow at Harvard Graduate School of Design and also has a wonderful article that she wrote in theconversation.com called, Are We in the Midst of a Public Space Crisis? You know, it sounds like we are, folks. And also just a, a, an understanding of the importance of face-to-face conversation, communication, and and community in a public space. There's power there, folks, and you may not even know what you're missing. We'll take a break, hoping here on the show to give you the good in the world, let you see that there's opportunities everywhere where we could make it better. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions. Because life doesn't come with a handbook, you need a coach. Here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner. Play ball! Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little coach's corner for you. You know, we talk about uh, open space, and that's great and all, right? That's the the location where we're going to do all of this conversation and communication. But let's be very real. You, the, there's a reason we communicate, and don't just think it's because you gotta you gotta talk and share your feelings. That's great. 
but we talk and we communicate. And if we can do it eye to eye and face to face, then we can together work together on creating new meaning, right? New meaning, new ideas together. And I can actually throw out my idea and watch you receive it, watch you grimace and watch you bring it back to me. And then you can see me grimace and or smile or be excited about it. And we go back and forth. And the benefit of doing it face to face is that we can get what's called attuned or attunement. I can tune in. When I grimace, people usually call HR on me. Well, yeah. But your grimace is kind of... So should I just not listen to this? Yeah, just okay. tune this out okay. like, like normal. Just tune it out. Don't even listen. For the average Joe, if you never look at anybody, if you never talk to anybody, if you never have to interact with anybody, guess what? Then you never have to learn what someone's response does to your mind. You never have to learn how to manage your emotion. This The best test of this, have you ever talked to somebody and they rolled their eyes? Have you ever talked to somebody and they look at their watch? And the minute they look at their watch, you're like, okay, I'm done. Not even talking anymore. Not even going to do it. I'm so sick of you ignoring me. I have to learn how to interact with you. And if we're doing this online and you're just sitting there in your undies on your computer in your dark room, then you probably don't have to learn how to interact effectively. You can hide there and you don't have the full experience. But if we're sitting in a public space and we can learn some civility and we knew that I'm here to understand and to learn, I can, I can do more than just get angry and mad to get my point across. I could actually try to convince you using wonderful debate skills, which is what they used to do in Greece because people knew how to debate. Now we just try to out, you know, out intimidate. We just elevate our voice. If we want to create a better democracy, don't we need to learn how to share our ideas? And is the internet facilitating that? I say no. No, it's not. We need places, folks. And, well, that's what my politicians are for because they're the ones that do the talking for me. Do they? Do they represent all your needs? Well, I actually don't know because I only pay attention every four years. Well, on this station, they tell me I should believe this. Or on this station, they tell me I should believe this. Well, have you noticed, and in fact, this is probably a good election for this, have you noticed that it might be coming down to the fact that nobody really represents you well? Does Donald Trump represent you well? Does Hillary Clinton represent you well? Did Bernie Sanders represent you well? Or were there things you didn't like about Bernie? I don't know, like the communism thing. <laughs> That's kind of got me down. Um, or the socialist or whatever. At some point, you might need to learn to represent yourself. It doesn't mean you still won't have elected officials. But wouldn't it be powerful if we could actually talk and listen and allow ourselves to be influenced and allow our discussion to elevate do we really think we can have a better democracy in America than we have the ability to communicate? Right? Why should we have a better democracy than our own ability to have a conversation that's difficult and get through it without somebody being arrested? Why would we ever think that our democracy will be better than our own ability to talk with our neighbors around us and share with them our views about Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? Did you hear there was a woman arrested 
because she kept vandalizing a uh, Donald Trump sign and it got ugly. And in the middle of the night at three in the morning, she'd go, you know, deface the Donald Trump sign. And they finally caught her. And she's like 60 year old woman sneaking out in the middle of the night to deface a sign. Come on, let's talk. Shouldn't neighbors be able to go talk? We want our legislature to. We want our Senate to be able to pass bills. We want the Democrats and the Republicans to be able to do it, but nobody in the country can seemingly do it very well. Maybe open spaces are the way we do that. It's called dialogue, folks. Nobody needs to die. That's not the die in dialogue. Dialogue means two people sharing logic, logos, right? Meaning. Dia, logos. Shared meaning between people. Are you very good at it, by the way? Well, I'm not, but my neighbor's much worse. I mean, I could do it if they weren't there. Let's quit worrying about everybody else knowing how to do it. Let's start learning how to do it. One of the first principles of a dialogue is you have to suspend your certainty. You have to suspend your belief that something has to be a certain way. You just, you don't have, you have to suspend it, by the way. I'm not saying terminate it, eliminate your certainty. I'm saying just hold it in suspense, suspend it. Let it just float there. You don't have to believe it has to only be this way. Just float it and allow the other person to talk and share their view. And take whatever you can of what they're saying, take whatever part of it you can in. Find where you have agreement with what they're saying. If you think about the pro-life, pro-choice debate, most of us have agreement on a lot of that debate, don't we? Do you not believe in life? Oh, sure. Do you not believe in choice? Absolutely. It's just certain lives, certain choices, when, where, how. So let's allow those thoughts in and and let them influence you. One of the great uh, kind of researchers, philosophers behind the theory of dialogue was a guy named David Bohm, Bohm, who was a um, he was kind of he was the man that was that was charged to take uh, uh, Einstein's seat um, in in the college where Einstein was, and a brilliant physicist actually, which is ironic. A physicist is the one, you know tagged to be to teach a communication theory like dialogue but what he realized is the smartest physicists in the world were meaningless and useless if they couldn't communicate with each other what great advancement are we going to come up with if we have 50 physicists none of which can talk to each other especially if the answer to our problems lie in the space between all of us the cure to cancer is probably not in one lab The cure to cancer is probably in 15 labs. And if these labs don't have a reason to talk to each other, there's no dialogue. And if there's no dialogue, guess what? There's no cure. And is it possible that that's what we've done with our democracy? We've set ourselves up to not be able to talk. And if you don't talk, you can't create meaning. And if you can't create meaning, you can't create change. And then we pretend like a politician's going to come in and make that happen. But in doing so, it really just ends up being shut down. The dialogue shuts down. Meaning's not created. We just don't like each other more. I believe that's what's happening. 
And again, I'm not going to suggest you don't have to vote for somebody or whatever. That's up to you. But you can today improve your ability to communicate. Suspend your certainty, stay in the space, and allow ideas in. And see what they do. Just allow them in. You don't have to immediately reject every idea that wasn't in your favorite news source. Makes sense, friends. A little coach's corner for you. Sure, a little rant. You can see I believe in it. We'll take a break. We'll come back, wrap up this uh, first hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Got some interesting stories coming up. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. <laughs> we talk about open spaces. We talk about the need to dialogue. But we could also talk about the fact that uh, we have these two or three or four or five major cable networks. And one of them's getting a little in a little trouble today. Yeah, Vanity Fair this morning, I was reading just now, uh, Roger Ailes was CEO of Fox News. Right. The, but a political kind of guru, GOP genius. May end up working with Donald Trump on his campaign. That was some of the rumors after yeah, he buddies. stepped down That's from right. Fox News. Uh, well, more things keep coming out. There's sexual harassment charges. There was a lawsuit from a former anchor, Gretchen Carlson, that uh-huh. started it all. And then other women started coming forward. Um, yesterday, another former anchor who had been taken off the air recently came forward saying that she had actually um, uh, gone to one of the vice presidents and complained that the boss was doing this. And then she says nothing happened. And the next thing she knew, she was ushered off the air and out of the company. Wow. So this is all going on. Vanity Fair this morning is now saying that, uh, either this morning or yesterday, whenever it was published, but they're saying there are recordings of Roger Ailes and several, it says multiple oh. recordings, so multiple female uh, staffers at Fox News having conversations with Roger Ailes wherein he says something inappropriate. <laughs> Which may be why News Corp, the parent company, is moving fast to try to get ahead of this and try to uh, stop this from turning into something bigger. And it's, this is weird because as I was driving in today, I, l- I was listening, I think, to MSNBC or, or CNN. And when you hear them reporting on Fox Network's issues with Roger Ailes, it's it's strange. I always feel that when the competition starts reporting on others, it, you're just piling on. Yeah. Right. It's... Let's just push them down more, you know. So, but I mean, it is it is news because it's the workplace and yeah. there is a... Well, then, then the whole conversation about the questions about sexual harassment and Ivana, no, Ivanka, the daughter, remember they were saying, so right. what if your daughter was sexually harassed and... Trump, Trump said that if Ivanka was harassed, I hope she would find a different career, which really is way to it's do not that fixing harassment yeah it's, it's just changing careers changing careers so then they ask her and fox news came in did an interview with her it was with uh, greta van sustren did the interview That's right and instead of asking about this is what your father said do you agree with that she just said to ivanka what do you think about sexual harassment and ivanka said well i think it's horrible and in our company we have mechanisms to make sure that isn't a, a yeah. con- that isn't a problem or if it is a problem we can address it head on not addressing her father's not adre- comments. Right. And then Eric Trump said something like, well, I would just, my, my sister wouldn't let that happen. Yeah. She's a strong woman. So implying that if it does happen, you're weak. 
And somehow it's your fault. Yeah. The tangled web. Again, they're just all these yeah. missteps when, you know, you could just address the issue back with dad, not spouting off on things. So what that... do you think this will do? <laughs> what, what will this do in the end? Do you think it'll it negatively depends. impact Fox News, their ratings, it their de- power? Rupert Murdoch yeah. has come out and said he's not, Fox News will not change. It'll be the same type of stage, you know, and that you expect Fox News to be. That's what Fox News will but be. But now Rupert Murdoch got in trouble for spying on his own yes. employees. The Guardian in, newspaper. Yeah. There was one paper that was sh- uh, over there that he owned that was shut down. It was mm-hmm. a tabloid. They just closed it because of all the. Oh, they phone- were spying on. People. They were phone tapping. There was a little. There was a family. They had a girl, little, uh, I don't know, nine-year-old girl or something. She died. She had a phone. It had some messages on it, and some reporters broke through the passcode on the the voicemail to listen to the voicemails to oh, see what wow. was going on because that would make a good story. Yeah, And sure. they proved it in court, and so they had to address all these things. And so they, controversy isn't something they're, you know, they're, they're aware of this right. type of thing. How will they deal with it will reflect on if they actually take had took that case seriously. Are they going to take this one seriously, or are they just going to try to pay off a mm. bunch of money and make it go away? And if you're a Fox listener, does that matter? I don't know. You is might it, you might think you're the the station you like is just under attack because you know the media. Well, in the Fox the News, they always get uh, they're the blonde female anchor station, is what everyone jokes about. So right. it's it's just isn't it interesting when you start getting in behind the scenes and you start thinking, wow, because this these Fox is a powerhouse. It is powerhouse. Okay, well, man, interesting. Oh, how the world turns! Wasn't that a soap opera once? As the world turns. We will take a break, folks. That's hour number one of the show. We'll come back next hour. More ideas, more information. We're going to be talking smartphones. Are they making you, uh, are they kind of manifesting symptoms of ADHD in you? Are they shortening your attention span? We'll talk about it next hour. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number two of the Love Fest, the three-hour Love Fest we call the Matt Townsend Show. The what? The Love Fest. No. Three hours of uh, learning, skills, information, tools, everything you need to live a healthier, happier life. And some things you don't even need, but Mm. we thought we'd throw in. We do that quite a bit. Yeah. We add stuff. Some would say it's just to fill time. Um, Others would say that it adds meaning. By the way, that's the voice of Ben Wasden, who is celebrating his final day on the show. The only one. Yeah, I'm, I'm alone in celebration. No, we're no, you're not alone. I don't know if we're celebrating for the right reason or the same reasons. He's yeah. celebrating because he's looking back, fond memories, yeah. accomplishments. Uh-huh. We're looking at it like finally he's gone. Finally, he we've we're going to let the bird loose. We're going to we're going to toss the bird out of the nest. The impact negatively on the show and we pray it's gone it will flap its wings so are you hoping that the bird plummets to the no, ground or no 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 because then you'd just be like right there out then of the nest we want you to get, get a little distance tree. away like, yeah. like fly a little bit away yeah, and yeah, then yeah. plummet yeah. then you're not our responsibility no you're you are starting an ice cream business that we've joked about on the show 
since day three. Day three or four, yeah. Uh, it's called um, ravenicecream.com, and the slogan is, it should it's be like, not that toxic. It should be Nevermore, going with the Raven. Okay. Edgar Allan Poe. That would be really good. Just say Nevermore. Is that, do you, I don't know let's if do a little work, pitch but. for your new company, because we want you to make sure you leave with a bang. I'm not sure my company can take any more pitches from you guys. Raven Ice Cream. Dot com. It's not as toxic as it used to be. <laughs> the radiation has gone down. <laughs> New recipe. Three out of four. Uh, three out of four government officials say it's almost okay to eat, but they wouldn't. <laughs> Time magazine says it's almost there. That's like saying tested on rats, only some died. Yeah, and we can't necessarily <laughs> say it was the ice cream. It may have been the container that they were holding the ice cream in. No, Ben, we appreciate you. You've done great work. And for a man that is hard of hearing man, and tone man, deaf. Man boy. And a man boy that's, that has timing <laughs> issues, you've done a fantastic job. Like out of this world. And we will miss you and yours. He excelled at the timing issues. What's great about Ben is he got better every day. And then it stopped. <laughs> when was that, Ben? Do you remember? What was that, three months ago? I don't think I should continue commenting on... You've gone quiet. Yeah. No, anyway, we love you, Ben. We're going to miss you. And it was fun raising you from a pup. Mm. I think that says it all right there. That's sound from Ben's first night when he leaves us. <laughs> be sleeping in the woods uh we've also we're going to be talking about your smartphone and is your smartphone afflicting you with symptoms of adhd are you becoming less able to focus and pay attention because of your smartphone i say for sure absolutely yeah i find it it's incredibly hard to drive while watching netflix it is i downloaded 10 versions of angry birds over the weekend wow there's like 20 games available no, hold on. Different Why? versions, variations okay. on the theme, different ideas. So I, yeah, you need to not do that. I downloaded ten more versions onto this iPad we have at our house, and I, pl- I was playing them. I'm like, wow, look at that, and are I deleted them. Are you filling the void left by Pokemon Go? I'm looking for something. I think yeah, I've, I've moved stronger, beyond. Something yeah. more powerful. Right. Hey, speaking of Pokemon Go, today is National Polka Day. Yeah, I don't know why anyone doesn't like this. And if you love polka and pokey, this is the song you're going to want at your birthday. Wow. These are names of Pokemon. Weird Al Yankovic put it all together. No, there's no yee Oh, that's a hoedown. Yeah. What do you yell at a polka down? I'm not sure. Epa! No, that's that yeah. would be Greek. Yeah. I don't know. You just yodel. Oh, I love that. I'm a Pokemon. I'm a polka man. So we'll get to more polka for you throughout the show. We've also got a bunch of stories, you know, we want to share with you. Also, Ben's great farewell show. Plus, I've prepared a monologue. It lasts about 20 minutes or so for timing. Oh, yeah, we'll be sure we time that out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Make sure you get your time. And uh, But first, let's get to the headlines with Sadie Nilsson. Sadie, what's up? Well, Matt, a new letter signed by 50 senior Republican national security officials warns that Donald Trump is dangerous and poses a serious risk to American stability and security. Trump would be the most reckless president in American history, warned those who signed, including former CIA and NSA director Michael Hayden, former secretaries of Homeland Security Tom Ridge and Michael Sheridoff. None of us will vote for Donald Trump. We also know that many have doubts about Hillary Clinton, as do many of us. But Donald Trump is not the answer. The Department of Justice is set to introduce a new program that would require police departments to provide the DOJ with full details of deadly confrontations involving officers each quarter. Federal officials would start to verify fatal cases prior to seeing them reported voluntarily. The new system would replace a discredited prior counting method by the FBI. The United States uh, ramped up its air campaign against self-proclaimed Islamic State in Libya over the weekend, increasingly targeting jihadist snipers positioned in buildings around the city of Sirte, a U.S. defense official said. The ISIS fighters appear to be restricting their movement during the day in an attempt to avoid the airstrikes. And finally, this one is for Terry. Terry. Yep. Listen up. A rare copy of Action Comics number one. Mm. Alert nerd. I saw this. Which marked the first appearance of Superman was sold at an auction Thursday for close to, wait for it, $1 million. What? Nerd alert! It's probably undervalued. Um, Should have been more. It was actually sold uh, for a total of $956,000, which far surpassed the original estimate of $756,000. But (laughs) but there's still to believe uh, uh, there is, what is it? Still to be believed that there's a hundred copies still in existence. Oh man, just sitting in grandma's attic somewhere. You know what? Somebody that guy got ripped off. He did. Yeah, that's a lot of nothing. And I don't know. Hmm. I'm not a collector. See, the thing with that comic though is there's just no plot in it. There's no character development. It's just like Superman picking up cars. Wasn't Superman? uh, Weren't Superman and Batman buddies that played in a, a sand like a sand play area no are you sure yeah they didn't know any, each other when they were children i thought i read that somewhere nope maybe in a maybe in a cartoon superman grew up in kansas really batman he was in gotham where is gotham in relation to kansas uh well kansas we know where kansas is but gotham's more on the east coast Really? What more like is, is it in New York State? Where I mean where is more it? More like Baltimore, if you want to get a map. There's maps online that people have put together Hold of on. where it would possibly would exist well, in the DC universe. But you just acted like you knew where it existed. Yeah, hey, I've seen the map. Have Metropolis you done research and, to have you done your own research to determine where it would no, be? No, people have done it for you. You just go look at the map. Wow. What are their credentials? comic book readers that's really all you need to know didn't you want to get married in gotham no it doesn't exist you wanted to get married in kansas no it's not what you were telling me a minute ago smallville does not exist so it's kind of you know okay if it did yeah sure i'd go hang out but yeah i'm with you i'm totally with you um you got any news for us i do i found this story yesterday a man when you think you're having a bad day every day this guy had a worse day in fact, it was the worst 12 days. Chinese tourist accidentally spends almost two weeks in a German refugee camp. So Ooh. guy goes on vacation, heads to Germany. It went from bad to worse when his wallet was stolen and he wound up spending nearly two weeks in a refugee camp. The 31-year-old 
from Beijing known as Mr. L was robbed. He went to uh, file a police report. Instead of going to the police station, he ended up at the city hall where he mistakenly signed an application for asylum. Mr. L, who only speak, uh, speaks Mandarin, huh. was taken 220 miles away to a Red Cross refugee camp. There he was given the standard items the refugees received, food and spending money. The head of the refugee camp said there was something unusual about Mr. L. He was dressed well. He kept asking for his passport back. Since he was unable to speak German, English, or any other language besides Mandarin, attempts to communicate with him were futile. Finally, he was brought to a local Chinese restaurant where the truth came out. He spent 12 days trapped in our bureaucratic jungle because we couldn't communicate with him, says the camp director. (laughs) Germany is unfortunately extremely bureaucratic, especially during this refugee crisis, and he's seen how much red tape we have. Mr. L was thrilled to finally leave the camp, but he wasn't angry about having to spend a good chunk of his summer vacation confined in a refugee camp. Wow. And he took it fairly well. Apparently, or he just, after about six days, went, well, this is my reality now. Should we have a dramatization? You could if you want to act that out. Can you turn on the German man? Benjamin is fluent in German. Oh, really? Yes. What do you want me to... I'd like you to say, Mr. L. Herr L. Off to the camp with you. Geh weg zum Kampf. Hmm. That didn't sound like the video games I've played that have a similar theme yeah but those are those are period based well that and most of the characters in those games just scream schnell say this schnell say mr l what else can we do to make your life difficult (laughs) herr l was noch können wir tun um dein leben schwer zu machen wow he added something to that yeah that wasn't a a straight translation there german it takes two seconds Two sentences to say one sentence. In oh, English. does it really? Yeah. Really? Oh, that's like a lot yeah. of work. Wow. Is that why they're grumpy? Um, they have a they have like they a, have a stereotype now. of kind of being grumpy and not necessarily like the whole idea of a, a German stand up comedian is kind of do they have weird? Um, I've never seen one. See? But it, when I was in Germany, I didn't spend a lot of time. Yeah, you weren't. Yeah, you weren't doing. You that. You didn't go to the clubs. Come um, on. One he... time I did, but <laughs> then I went home. Oh, okay. <laughs> Well, wow. That answers that. Well, let's bring it home. Um, here's here's a story you just won't believe. Police in southeastern Wisconsin say 20,000 pounds of cheese has vanished. Hmm. Just poof. The cheese produced by U.S. Foods was in a semi-trailer parked at a business in Milwaukee suburb. Police say the semi-driver was transporting the load from Green Bay to New York City. By the way, talk about just like typical, right? Typical. Typical Wisconsin cheese. And... Uh, the, they, uh, the driver unhitched the trailer to run an errand, and when he came back, um, the trailer and $46,000 worth of cheese was gone. Hmm. That's a lot of cheese. The, and there was only one witness, by the way. Um, the one witness said it was the weirdest, it was the weirdest thing. Th- when, when a truck came up, hooked up, and then took the trailer and, and just stole the whole thing. Mm-hmm. $70,000 worth of cheese and trailer. And they heard a song that was playing in the guy's car. Oh, wow. Or a gal. It could have been a gal. This could be a clue. This can go either way. Yeah. But see, as you listen to it, if you can pick up a clue as to who may have taken the cheese. Squeaky cheese. It's squeaky cheese. Chomp it, chew it, mash it, munch it, taste it, keep it, squeaky, squeak it. Obviously, kind of rappers. Possibly a type of vermin? 
Yeah. Listen to that bass beat. That's pretty good. And the truck just drives away playing this song. Hmm. I don't know what kind of human would do that. That's interesting. Does that even sound like a human? I mean, that doesn't... That sounds like rat rap. I mean, if you inhaled enough helium, you could possibly reach that, but... I don't know, but... It is questionable. You're I'm right. not a police officer. Mm, but you play one on the radio. But I think they ought to look into that music. That might be a clue. It might lead There's you directly. There's something in there. I can't yeah. put my finger on it. That's a lot of cheese, though. I mean, you don't want to profile anybody. Yeah. But there's got to be a certain group of, of creature... Vermin. Um, ...that listens to that type of music. Yeah. I mean, that's not music you hear every day. Yeah. I mean, they had a great beat, don't get me wrong. But there's something to it. But the PhD in me says there's something to that. I've never even heard the song Squeaky Cheese. So What's your PhD in? In cheese. Oh, okay. Squeaky Cheese. Okay. Yeah. You got to get one because you'll need it with your Raven ice cream. Yeah, when I make a Squeaky Cheese flavor. Mm-hmm. Ravenicecream.com. The cheese. No, Ravenicecream.com. The ice cream that also. That will squeak for weeks. <laughs> That will keep you squeaking for weeks. We're coming up with the titles for Ben's new company. Ben's last day, by the way. If you have, uh, if you want to communicate with Ben, um, go ahead and do that. One eight five five chat BYU. One eight five five chat BYU. We will take a break, folks. When we come back, we're going to be talking about smartphones. Are they afflicting you with symptoms of ADHD? You won't believe the research they're coming out with. It's kind of scary. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you lead healthier lives, even with your phone. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Have you ever felt like, uh, you know, the need to check your phone while talking to somebody or have you ever made a mistake because you were on your phone? Maybe missed a turn off when you shouldn't have been driving and talking. ADHD or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder can cause many problems, among them trouble paying attention or or staying still. The disorder is so debilitating that 6% of American children are treated with medication to reduce the symptoms. Recently, though, behavioral scientist Dr. Kushlev found that people not suffering from ADHD may unknowingly be giving themselves the symptoms of ADHD through smartphone notifications. Here to talk about his research is Kosta Kushlev. Dr. Kosta Kushlev is a professor and a research faculty member at the University of Virginia. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Kushlev. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Talk to us about your research. Um, you got into the idea that Maybe these phones are, are starting to create the symptoms of, of ADHD, and you, you, I guess you found some correlation there? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, in fact, there is quite a lot of uh, sort of research out there already uh, kind of documenting uh, correlational relationships. So what we really wanted to do is to uh, look at the relationship a little bit more causally. Uh, and so to do that, uh, what we did was to try to manipulate uh, how disruptive people felt by 
uh, smartphone notifications uh, on a daily basis. Mm. And so um, we uh, had a group of over 200 students or so participate in a two-week study. And during one week, they were instructed to keep their phones on uh, silent and to try to kind of keep them um, out of sight whenever possible so uh, that the notification disruptions are um, reduced. And during the other week, they were asked to keep their phone alerts on. And so this way, uh, we were able to compare how the same people felt, uh, how uh, inattentive and hyperactive they felt during each of those weeks while keeping everything else uh, constant. Huh. What'd you find out? Yeah, and so uh, we found that, uh, as we predicted, when people had their uh, alerts on uh, and were more frequently interrupted by notifications, they reported higher symptoms of inattentiveness and hyperactivity uh, than when they had their phone on silent. Now, um, of course, um, you know, these are, as you mentioned, the symptoms uh, that are associated with ADHD. And in fact, we use the same criteria uh, used to diagnose ADHD. But it's important to kind of emphasize that this does not mean that phones or smartphone notifications can cause ADHD. Uh, ADHD, of course, is a neurodevelopmental disorder with complex etiology, so it cannot be reduced to just our smartphones. Uh, but what the findings do suggest is that even for those of us not suffering from ADHD, our phones might be making us just a little bit more inattentive and hyperactive, and thus have kind of downstream consequences for uh, a lot of other outcomes, such as productivity and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I there's nothing that drives me more crazy than listening to my, uh, what are the, how old, 13-year-old uh, cell phone go off, because he has notifications <laughs> and it goes off all day long, nonstop, because he's in these group chats and every time. So I sit there and I think, with this research, it doesn't cause ADHD, but it causes symptoms of ADHD. And That's is right. it possible that we're going to end up diagnosing more kids with ADHD because they seem to carry the symptoms? Um, yeah, I mean, that's absolutely possible. And, and uh, again, with a lot of disorders, uh, you know, people have certain predispositions to certain disorders, but depending on the environment, these predispositions can be, um, you know, can actually realize or not. And so, um, you know, considering how many uh, notifications, especially uh, young people, get on their phones, uh, according to some uh, estimates, uh, it runs in the hundreds uh, per day. So pretty much uh, one every minute uh, or so. So uh, it is quite uh, possible that, uh, you know, we're really kind of uh, growing up or uh, our children are growing up in an environment that is constantly demanding our attention to be switched from one thing to to another. That's making it very difficult to for us to focus on one thing and very easy for us to become very hyperactive. So if we... Do you sense that if we just turned the notifications off, uh, mm -hmm. those symptoms would go away? Well, um, or is it just having the course. phone and you know because the, the child will still see it light up maybe or you know may, that's right yeah. So in our so in our research, 
uh, we uh, asked our participants two things. So one thing was to switch the phone on silent, and the second thing was to kind of try to keep it out of sight and out of reach. So, uh, of course, you know, notifications can be uh, sort of alerted in many different ways. It could be sound, but it could, uh, as you mentioned, be uh, a visual uh, thing. So you just see the phone. You know, it doesn't have to uh, ring uh, if you see it pop up uh, on the table. Uh, so I think the key is to you know, try at least during certain activities that we value and that require attention, such as, you know, talking with other people in person or studying or working, uh, to try to, you know, switch off our phone or switch it off on silent uh, and uh, put it away for, you know, uh, even if it's for half an hour or an hour or something like that, uh, you know, this could really potentially help us uh, focus. Now, Mm. of course, there is the other sort of side of this, which is that, you know, if you're used to constantly seeing your notifications and you know that you're getting notifications all the time, uh, then it's possible that putting your phone away might actually, at first, feel really unnatural and actually make you think of the phone uh, more. Uh, and so when we were kind of starting this research, we weren't completely sure that we'll find what we found because we thought, well, maybe people would actually, you know, drive themselves crazy trying to keep their phone on silent and it would become more uh, inattentive and hyperactive, but that's not what we found. So uh, I think there is a little hope there that we could uh, reduce these symptoms by regulating our uh, phone use and how we receive notifications. Hmm. Yeah, you know, um, this is this this is interesting because long term we don't know really at all long term the impact of this, do we? Um, no, we have no idea. And I mean, this was one of the first. Um, pieces of research where we, uh, again, tried to manipulate uh, how people get notifications to see what effect it has on, you know, a population of regular people. Uh, But again, this was a two-week study, uh, and, uh, you know, we found a lot of downstream consequences uh, from this inattentiveness and hyperactivity kind of consistent with past research on a variety of other important outcomes, such as, uh, again, productivity, how socially connected people felt to other people, which is interesting because phones are often used to connect us with others. Mm -hmm. But yet we found that uh, to the extent that phones made people more inattentive, they also made them feel less socially connected. Uh, People also kind of felt uh, a lower sense of environmental mastery. So kind of things are a little bit out of control and that sort of thing. Uh, um, and so I think if we, you know, ran the study for a year or something like this, we might uh, be able to actually isolate these uh, downstream con- consequences more clearly as well. But it was only two weeks. Yeah. At this yeah. Stage. Did Did you see a difference between the um, like a teenager and an adult? So uh, we used a convenient sample, uh, like most of psychology, uh, and so we relied on our um, you know, students, mostly psychology students, uh, and so uh, those were, um, the, the age range was about 19 to 22, I think, so a uh, pretty narrow age range, um, and so we can't really answer the question whether there's a difference between, uh, you know, teenagers and adults and that sort of thing. Uh, there's certainly quite a lot of data uh, out there from Pew Research Center and so forth that that suggests that people, uh, younger people use their phones more than adults. Uh, and so from that perspective, it's possible that the effects would be uh, stronger 
for uh, for younger people, uh, but we could not answer that question definitively in our research. Mm. Wow. So what you found is concentration, I guess, tends to go down. Um, productivity goes down. Social connectedness goes down. Uh, environmental mastery, I guess, a sense that you're kind of in control of your world. These all seem to parallel, in a way, these seem to be stressors as well. So if this is going on and all of your your productivity, your social connectedness, your you know self-environmental mastery, is if they're all dropping, it seems like anxiousness would be going up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we've, we've run some other research, which wasn't with smartphone notifications, but with email notifications. And that was with a sample of um, professionals and older adults. Uh, and in that case, we asked people to uh, either, you know, check their email throughout the day, as they normally do, or to try to limit their uh, email checking only to three times a day, which, you know, most people managed to reduce to about five. Uh, so it wasn't even three uh, in the end. But uh, but we found that the, uh, when people check their email less frequently throughout the day, they experienced uh, less stress. And so uh, I think uh, what you're saying goes uh, pretty well with these findings that all these notifications might be causing us to kind of feel, um, you know, scattered, anxious, feeling that things can kind of get out of control and, and ultimately uh, result in more uh, stress. Yeah. Oh, boy. What are we creating, <laughs> Costa? This is getting this is going to get crazy. Let's take a break. And uh, when we come back, I'd love to have you give us some ideas, some solutions. You've already given us some just by checking emails, uh, you know, less frequently. Uh, what else can we do to help our kids and really ourselves not be taken in by the by the technology to the point that we start manifesting signs of ADHD and or manifesting um, anxiety, stress, other things that will come from that inattentiveness. We'll take a break. Helping you live with the technology you've got, folks. This is The Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, is technology starting to impact your focus, your attention? Well, according to our guest, Costa Kushlev, a professor at the uh, a research faculty member at the University of Virginia, he says yes. Uh, you can also find out more from uh, Costa at, at Happy Scholar. That's his Twitter handle, at Happy Scholar. And today he's just walking us through the latest and greatest of his research where we learned that uh, when we're on technology, there's a causal effect of being on technology, not just on the technology, but when we have notifications going off on our cell phone, it disrupts us and it it starts to create um, the symptoms of ADHD, uh, inattentiveness, decreased productivity, decreased social connectivity, uh, decreased environmental mastery, where you kind of feel like things are out of control around you, um, and focus. And so, he's teaching us today about the research and and kind of its imp- its its uh, the impact it's having on us. Doctor Costa uh, Costa Kushlev, thank you so much again for being with us. Uh, thank you. What else? Um, 
what else do we need to know? I mean, I'm assuming this is kind of uh, the beginning of a lot of research. I mean, I mean, I know they've been doing some already, but of the impact of these technologies, just something as simple as Apple putting on a notification, and then I, boy, Costa, I created something. Uh, um, I found out that you can also make it so your flash on your camera flashes when your phone rings. So now, all right. I'm totally jumping all over the place the minute my notifications are on. What, uh, what, what do you sense is going to happen with the future of all of this research? And do you have any, um, you know, what, what could we probably anticipate seeing more of? Right. Uh, yeah, and you're right. There is already quite a lot of uh, research going on in this area. Um, and there has been quite a lot of research for a while now for, uh, on notifications, uh, but uh, what has uh, changed since the advent of the smartphone is that now these notifications are with us absolutely everywhere. Uh, you know, before, uh, you know, maybe you, your email interrupted you while you're doing something else at work, uh, but now your phone interrupts you with work emails while you're spending time with your kids or trying to, you know, enjoy a meal and so forth. So we're disrupting all these other essential activities that are important for our happiness and uh, well-being. So I think a lot of my, uh, well, a lot of my research has been focusing on this topic with, um, uh, you know, ultimately looking at well-being and happiness and how this technology can uh, both help us achieve greater happiness, but also some of the pitfalls on the way. Because it's really important to recognize here that uh, smartphones are so popular because they are incredibly useful. Uh, and I certainly use my phone a lot. And we're talking right now because you could, you know, call me in Bulgaria uh, while right. I'm on, on vacation on my cell phone. So, uh, so they're incredibly useful. Um, and so, you know, you can find uh, uh, easy directions in a neighborhood and so forth. But uh, the question is, what are some of the pitfalls? What is, what is getting lost with these, uh, these devices? And then to start thinking about how we can or what we can do in order to reduce this cost and really harness uh, the benefits. Mm -hmm. Now, I think people are already starting to uh, realize uh, they, you know, not necessarily through research, but through their own observations that these devices are having negative effects on their attention and maybe making them more hyperactive and so forth or, or stressed. And so, you know, I've heard of people kind of trying, uh, you know, their own self-interventions where they have a one day a week where they, they get um, a cell phone detox day where they just don't switch off their phone. You know, maybe it's a Saturday or a Sunday and they just do not use it at all. Um, you know, just kind of recharge mm. uh, and, and kind of pay attention to the environment. Uh, and during the rest of the week, you know, they need their phone. So, um, you know, we've come to rely on it so much. So, uh, you know, I think it's impractical to expect that we would just throw our phones away uh, right. and throw the, the baby with a bathwater. Um, but I think uh, what I really like to see is also um, kind of these uh, big companies that produce our phones to start thinking about ways in which um, you know, the, 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 the smartphones can become uh, sort of psychologically smart. In other words, they can start knowing us better and knowing our psychological needs or our psychological goals at a, at a particular moment of time during the day. So, for example, uh, with the existing technology, you can always have, uh, you can already have uh, the phone know that, for example, at 5 o'clock, um, you know, you pick up your son from um from school, so the phone knows that from five to eight o'clock, 
um, no work notifications should be, uh, you know, yeah, that's uh, alerted. Uh, you know, and you can still get your notifications from, you know, let's say your wife or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, so, so, I mean, I think it's, it's really striking that we spend more time with our smartphones than we spend with anybody, right? Like right. They, you know, they're our best friends, uh, if you will. So, so they should really know us better. I mean, maybe, you know, the next time you get your new smartphone, um, you know, the, the phone asks you a few questions about you so that, um, you know, you can kind of learn about your daily routine and so forth. And based on that, um, to, to sort of, you know, help you regulate these notifications, because it's very difficult for us to, um, you know, to sort of self-regulate, uh, you know, and, and just switch our phones on silent all the time. Right. Well, you, I mean, how great if you could, you know, uh, you can already do it where you could put your, you know, your family circle, your 10 most important people in your life could be graded or rated one way. Your professional most important people could be another way. And then, I mean, there's, there's, there's already abilities where I can turn off my phone from getting any messages, you know, or any notifications from 10 at night to 6 in the morning. But how powerful if you're, like you're saying, your phone could detect the relationship, the time of day, and then prioritize your stuff so you're only being called, if anything, by your 10 most important people. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think, you know, this is really important to emphasize here that, you know, we, we already use the sort of existing uh, functionality of the phone uh, uh, in our research. So we ask people to switch their phone on silent. But again, I just don't think that that's, right. you, know, you know, this was no. useful for our research, but it's not really a practicable, you know, recommendation for everybody, right? Like yep. people want to get notifications. Well, uh, and, and it and goes, so, but it goes to your point that, the companies that are making these phones would better serve uh, their users if they would, you know, take a psychological approach too, right? And and start innovating based on our deeper needs for happiness. Exactly. Yeah. And we already, you know, we. I mean, many of the things are very simple, right? It's just like uh, when we're spending time with others, with close others, um, you know, we need our attention. That's important. So, you know. Um, that has been demonstrated by science, but it's also something very common sense. So uh, I think, you know, uh, we can start at a very basic level, but, you know, uh, we could uh, work from there, you know, because in in 100 years we'll have uh, perhaps even more integrated uh, devices. Who knows where we'll carry them and so forth. So we really need to start thinking about how we can integrate these devices so that they are less disruptive to our other activities. Yeah. So we don't, you know, because if you think about it too, like the, the people that are, uh, you know, today's teenagers, for example, they've never really lived in a world w- with no notifications, right? So right. In, a, in a sense, now is the time for those of us who still remember that there's something else than constant notifications to kind of think about how we can balance uh, these, these uh, different demands. Talk about, um, I know you've done a lot of research on the happiness factor and uh, the impact technology might be having on that, and and you gave us a little taste of it. What are some other ways that technology may be hindering our happiness? Uh, Well, so uh, one of the, some some of the other research that I've done as part of my uh, dissertation research was kind of looking at, uh, for example, how people use their phones. Uh, to find directions. And so 
we actually found uh, that there were a sort of positive effects, uh, net effect on happiness. So, you know, when you, you put people under pressure, uh, tell them to find a building in 30 minutes, and they can use their phones to find the directions, you know, they actually feel happier at the end because it's easier to find it and they find it faster and so forth. And, you know, it's less frustrating, I guess. But at the same time, we find that they miss on these social opportunities to uh, connect with um, with other people around them. So when people couldn't rely on their phones, they had to um, they had to speak to other people and ask them, hey, do you know where this building mm-hmm. is? And so, you know, and when you ask people for directions, you, you know, uh, it's surprising how helpful people want to be. And so, you know, so it's a really nice way to kind of remind yourself, oh, people are helpful, people are nice. Um, and so, you know, so that could kind of, um, without us realizing, we might be foregoing these opportunities to kind of foster this sense of connectedness, this sense of community, sense of trust in others. Uh, in our communities and so forth, because we rely so much on these very, very uh, useful devices. That's that's interesting. Yeah, the loss of community simply because we're no longer needing each other. I can just ask Siri. Um, exactly. That's yeah. crazy. What about uh, what would you? What advice do you give to parents? And how how much um, you know control leadership? guidance should we take on um, when it comes to these cell phones and our kids should we and what are some what's just some general advice you give um i don't know what advice to give them to be honest uh, it's very difficult because um you know on the one hand you know trying to control uh you know one kid's um, cell phone use when, you know, all the other friends or whatever can use their phone all the time could actually, you know, backfire. So, right. um, so for me, I think it's more about, you know, thinking about at a broader level, how do we kind of create the, uh, social norms, uh, and, uh, social awareness, I guess, uh, through perhaps programs and things like this for teenagers themselves to realize that, um, you know, being on your phone or being constantly, um, you know, communicating through a cell phone is not necessarily a good thing. I know there has been uh, some programs where kids have been taken on uh, to, uh, you know, again, you know, digital detox camps where, um, you know, for one week they couldn't use their phones and, you know, just a summer camp basically without phones, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's where the key is. I don't know if um, you know how you can actually force kids no. to use their phones once you once you you know and and I, I think I mean I think parents already realize the dangers uh, potentially but you know there's these social pressures like everybody else has a phone at 11 or 13 or whatever it is so you know you kind of don't want to be the <laughs> that parent that yeah. doesn't uh, get your get a cell phone so. well maybe what they ought to do is just read your article in the conversation.com um, because and then go have a discussion like talk about the fact that using your phone and having the notifications on it's going to start to create symptoms of of ADHD and maybe that's that's enough you know guidance for some well we appreciate you Dr. Costa Kushlev thank you so much for being with us Thanks for having me. That was great insight and uh, needed by all of us, folks. Pay attention. There's a cost to the phone. If anything, it's not going to cause ADHD, 
But apparently it will cause some of the symptoms, and the symptoms are just as bad as having ADHD many times if we're not careful. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up the second hour of the show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, we've been talking about uh, technology and its impact on uh, on you and how it distracts you. It, it, it gives you the symptoms of ADHD. Well, yeah, but Matt, it doesn't give me ADHD. It just makes me actually act as if I have it. Well, what's the difference? It's the same thing, isn't it? If you feel like... You don't have environmental mastery. You're a, kind of a sense that you have a hold of the things around you in your life. It's going to stress you out. And when you get stressed out, you do crazy things. For example, here's the story of a preteen that leads cops on a high-speed chase. Police outside of Houston hit speeds up to 118 miles per hour while on a 40-mile chase. If you play Mario Kart every day and you're a preteen, a 12-year-old girl all of a sudden thinks, I'm just going to outrun these cops, getting up to 118 miles an hour. I, I believe the cops stopped her by throwing a green turtle shell at oh, her. Those are the worst. Um, Don't they, you hate it when they, they, they turtle shell you? some banana peels on hand. Was she um, dropping banana peels to get the cop to yeah, slide off? that's how she got 40 miles, I think. Wow, 40 miles at 118 miles an hour. And by the way, her grandmother's Chevrolet Cruze. How on earth does a Cruze get up to 180 miles an hour? I thought that it could only happen with terminal velocity of falling out of an airplane. I don't know. It's crazy. Anyway, that crazy kid uh, dodged the police on the 40-mile chase. And by the way, she had her five-year-old sister in the back seat. All this was taking place when grandma was nine. Grandma was taking a nap. If you're out there, if you're a grandparent and you're going to take a nap, go ahead. Go ahead. Just sleep with the keys. Yeah. Hide your keys. Sleep with the keys. Put them in your house jacket and go to bed. Put them under your pillow. The young lady had a pretty clean drive, by the way, except for she only sideswiped two cars. Oh, Nice. No one was Not bad for a first time out. Not bad for a 12-year-old. Nice. The Montgomery County attorney, uh, J.D. Lambright, said, I can't imagine this was a first-time driving experience for her. (laughs) She's done this before. By the way, guess how they got her? Technology. They called OnStar. And they just shut off the car. OnStar shut down the car. Yeah. Done. You just coast. You can't outrun. You you can outrun a cop, mm-hmm. but they always told me you can't outrun the radio. The radio. That's why they call ahead. And now you really can't outrun OnStar satellites. <laughs> we will get you one way or another. Technology. It's impacting us and our ADHD. I see it on our team all the time. Wow. I, I'll I'll lose Terry for I used to for five minutes as he would chase down. Charizard, hmm. 
Well, we have a polka stop that's like right outside the building. It's within polka? reach. Did you say polka stop? No, polka. Polka. Like a pokey? Ah, I love polka stops. And you just stop. Yeah. And you just do a little jig. There's some guy with a drum and a hat and an accordion. and Yeah. Yeah. Is this where you need like some brats or some pizza? Pizza? Pizza. Yeah. I used to go to Durat Skeller Pizza okay. and they'd have polka night. That's where I picked up the accordion. All right. Those were good days. Apparently. Fond it was, memories. It was when I made Larry Pino's polka uh, orchestra. Okay. Which is a bunch of students that play accordion. And I realized I got to get out of this because he told me I was gifted in the accordion. Oh, no. Yep. And I'm like, okay. You're like, it's I'm sucking done. me in. <laughs> Shut her down. Away. Shut her down. Shut her down. All right. We'll take a break, folks. We'll come back. One more hour of the show. And by the way, only one more hour with Ben Wasden and his wonderful... RavenIceCream.com. Only killed two. Better than the year before. We'll be back, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number three of the program. Top of the morning to you. Or bottom, depending on where you are. Or middle. Anyway, you look at it, it's or morning. Or tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast. Or tomorrow. Or next week, because it just sits there for eternity I online. Sense, I sense cynicism. Just, you know, time-specific. Time cynicism alert. Interesting. Hey, we got a great show for you today. We will be talking with Julie K. Nelson, the bomb mom, about back to school. How you get your kids back to school. How you get them all prepped and ready to go. It's a... Uh, it's one of the greatest times, I think, of the year when you put them back in school and you can get into a schedule. I love it because then I'll get more sleep. It's more that they're gone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really... already gone. I just can't go to sleep because my kids all want to be up. Well, that's what I, yeah. And they go to bed and then you can go to bed or you come yeah. home and in the afternoon and they're not there. Mm-hmm. It's better that way. It's that's what you're so saying. Much better. You would rather them not be there more. Yes. Thank you for clarifying <laughs> that. Uh, we'll be getting into that, preparing your kids to go back to school, plus a lot of headlines. Uh, we'll visit our good brothers at BYU Sports Nation, mm. find out what's coming up uh, for them. We're going to talk about cupping today. Cupping, like it's, Michael Phelps. It's sweeping the Olympics. You were wondering what those big, you know, round, hickey-looking things. Yeah. yeah. Cupping. It's cupping. Cupping to me used to be when you'd make that cupping sound with your hands. I can't do it yeah, well, since the accident. Right. Um, cupping. But apparently for Michael Phelps, it's yeah. working. I think he's cupped so much, his arms seem longer than the last Olympics. Could be. That's one of the, the byproducts of it is it does extend your limbs. <laughs> Speaking of extending limbs, uh, today is Ben Wasden's last day on the show. That was a smooth transition. Good job. <laughs> We're extending his limbs. And Ben is taking his company, ravenicecream.com. 
We won't kill you, but we will seriously make you sick. Or salmonella. It's an option. Yeah. Giardia. It's not in ours. (laughs) We don't kill you that way. Okay, guys, I've told you time and time again, listeria is the only kind of foodborne illness that might happen. Raven ice cream. Listeria is the only problem we bring you. Or botulism. Not today. (laughs) That's for more (laughs) canned food. You're right. You just can't throw contaminated. Poor Ben. He's You're leaving, right. and we he, he feels like we're making fun of him. We're not making fun of you. We're making fun with you. You're crushing me. <laughs> Ben's going to go start your business. Ben, what, let's just do this. Let's do our headlines, but I want you to be thinking, we are going to interview you for about 30 seconds and find out. That's all we're giving you. Find out um, what's going on. What, why you know what you're going to go do with this new company Raven Ice Cream? If you eat enough, you'll be a Raven lunatic. Courtesy what, of Don Shaline. Don Shaline's line. That's a great line. His is actually better than that. So we'll take a break. Uh, actually, we're going to go to our headlines and with Sadie Nielsen find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Sadie, what's up? On Monday in Detroit, Donald Trump revealed he has radically changed his proposed tax brackets, putting his plan in line with what has been proposed by House Republicans. Trump had formally proposed brackets of 0%, 10%, 20%, and 25%. As of his economic speech Monday, however, those proposed brackets are now 12%, 25%, and 33%. Critics of Trump's old tax plan said his personal and business tax cuts could increase U.S. debt by $10 trillion in just over a decade. Trump's new tax plan would allegedly keep that number to less than $3 trillion. Mike Pence, Donald Trump's running mate, told a Wisconsin radio show that the proposed immigration ban on individuals from countries that have been compromised by terrorism would also include Jews and Christians above and beyond Muslim citizens. And on Monday, thousands of people were stranded worldwide as major airline company Delta experienced a power outage. However, aviation experts say the problem might have been self-inflicted. Georgia Power, which provides electricity to millions of people in Georgia and where Delta's headquarters are located, said its systems were running fine and pointed its finger back at the airline. That information led Bob Mann, who formerly worked for American Airlines and now runs an airline advisory business, to believe Delta's outage might have been a test gone awry. Official causes of this outage have not been determined yet however wow. and finally yeah um and your olympic news matt okay let's a hear it. u.s olympian competing in rio de janeiro shared a photo of an unusual bathroom sign banning throwing toilet paper into toilets and using commodes as fishing holes oh really mm-hmm. there's no fish in there there's no fish apparently the sign uh, appears to ban bathroom users from throwing trash in toilets, vomiting in toilets, standing on top of toilets to squat over the bowl, and using a fishing rod to try to catch sea life in the toilets. <laughs> uh, Del Don posted a photo that said, guess I won't be toilet fishing today. Darn it. Dang it. That's where you get the best bites. It's true. <laughs> wow, Sadie. Thank you for that imagery. Incredible. Fishing in the bowl. I guess people think that could happen. Hmm. Rio de Janeiro has a bad reputation about its, you know, its waterways. So apparently it's now reached the bathroom area. Hey, by the way, today's also uh, Book Lover's Day. So if you love you a book, today's the day you got to curl up with it. Just show it some love. When I walked in today, Ben was just, I don't know what you were doing, but you were giving that book a lot of love. 
tickling its spine. Yeah, Cat in the Hat. That was One really of my good. favorites, yeah. Cat in the Hat. Also, another day to celebrate today is National Polka Day. Nothing says life is good than a better than a good polka. By the way, the fast-paced duet dance form is said to have originated when? In the 1800s. Where? In Bohemia. It is also said that a girl named Anna Slezak was the one who invented this dance in the year 1834. And it's also uh, usually played with an accordion. By the way, an instrument I learned at a very young age. And then quit about a year later because they told me I had a lot of potential. <laughs> I really was good at it, not to brag. My mom plays the accordion and is a rock star. You could have had a very different future. If oh, yeah. You stuck with it. No, totally. I still can. I could have seen you like next to a train station in, in Italy. Yeah. With, like one of those little hats. Mm-hmm. Just with like my Lederhosen. Lederhosen. How, how do you say it? Lederhosen. No, I think it's Lederhosen. Uh, Lederhosen. Yeah, Lederhosen. Um, to have that just playing my little accordion, making tons of money. Big time. Hey, uh, Ben, you're leaving us. Today's your final day. Yes. Yes, it is. And you are leaving to greener pastures. Uh, first, I hear you will serve just a little community service time, help clean up the neighborhoods. Uh, do that, uh, I guess, three or four days. Yeah, for, for the next two or three years. Yeah. Then you're off to Hawaii, almost your hometown, except for you're from Seattle or uh, Spokane. I'm no, I... Going back to the homeland of Hawaii. And how long are you going to be there? For two weeks. You going to surf? Probably. If okay. I can find a board. Uh, wear sunscreen, that's all I have to say. Yeah, I'm I'm of a very white complexion. You're what we call a haole? Haole, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then you're coming back and you're going to run your empire. Yes, I will start my empire from the dust. Yes. Um, that's a requ- that's like a prerequisite. It needs to be from the dust. Yeah, from and the dust. Which, by the way, your ice cream has a lot of. <laughs> the, name and, of the name of the empire is ravenicecream.com. And then I will employ people like you, Matt, people who did not believe. Okay. And I will have an empire. I'm, I have no doubt about that. Uh, I've, I, you'll have an empire strikes back is what you'll have. <laughs> it's... um. I, we wish you the, with the best of luck, and we hope that in as you are making ice cream, because I've tasted your ice cream there. It's incredible. Seriously. But get your shots. No, it really is good. And you do something different that others don't do. You custom make it. So you'll make any flavor somebody wants, huh? Yeah. So I, I mean, that's, that's a side of it. I go to restaurants and, and ask them what they want. So I do a Stroop waffle ice cream mm. and a cookie butter ice cream for a baker mm. in Provo. Um, and How did you get into ice cream making? Um, I didn't want to do a high school project, and so I decided to make ice cream and sell it for the project. Really? Yeah. And what was your first batch called? Um, it was banana ice cream. Were yeah. you were you in the islands when you did that? I did. I had I a little that. banana tree out back. Did you really? Yeah. You, a homemade banana ice cream. Yeah. That's one we've never tasted here. 
Yeah. It's kind of rude. You're leaving and I mean, you had how many, you had a year to give us some ice cream and I've only had one kind of ice cream. What was that? That was good though. Cherry. Pepper. Oh, cherry or oh, peppermint? Oh, no, I had pepper. I have had two. Yeah, two. Yeah. I thought we were going to get one more today. But, you know, uh, I was making ice cream yesterday yeah. and I drove home. It was like 12 o'clock at night and I realized I forgot the ice cream. You burnt it, didn't you? And then you I thought, it. you know what? I'm not going to go back and get it. Wow. I knew people would be disappointed. Yeah. People would shed tears. Yeah. Um, Sadie's ticked. I know. But she's had some of my ice cream, so. I know. I remember seeing I just her in need the hospital. A, I just need to leave before everybody else finds out. Well, we're going to miss you, Ben. Uh, we found Ben, if you remember, in a dumpster. Um, wrapped him in cellophane. Then, you know, put him on the doorstep. Nobody picked him up, so we put him back in the dumpster, thinking someone would come back and get him. They didn't. A couple weeks later, we got him out of the dumpster again and brought him upstairs and gave him clothes. <laughs> Do you remember those days? Yeah, that was like two years ago. Yeah. Man, you were cute. Anyway, we're going to miss you, Benny. Be good. Remember who you are. We're here. We don't go anywhere. But you have like three three levels of security to get through before. Exactly. <laughs> And glass doors and windows. It's going to be great. Yeah, so. like, well, good luck. Uh, let's. Um, Terry's chomping at the bit. He has got to get to a story. Terry, what's your story that you just oh. have got to get to that's more important whenever, than Ben leaving? Whenever I see new food. Yeah? Like ice cream? I want to bring it to you to see if it's something you want to Kay. consume. Yeah, for sure. Because you, you, you say you're a consumer. I'm a total consumer. So I am the healthiest human ever known Man. In the past, we've talked about Ma uh, Burger King. They've brought out the uh, macaroni and cheese oh, Cheeto yeah. sticks. You sent me a picture of that one. I had some of those. They're gross. That's right. Wouldn't recommend those to anyone. <laughs> they just were just like... But Ugh. they did flush your system. <laughs> it was orange, but yeah, it was great. But no, the, the problem is they keep trying to mix things up, but I don't know if it's really the type of mix that we okay. need. Okay, okay. They're coming out with a Whopperito. Pardon? A Whopperito. A whopper rito. Yeah. It's like a burrito whopper. It is. Huh. So you take the whopper ingredients, <laughs> so the hamburger, you put it in a flour tortilla, and then you replace the mayo with uh, queso sauce. Yeah. Here's the problem, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I speak Spanish. Um, ito would mean little male. Okay. So when we say a whopperito, we're saying a little male whopper. Okay. Not tantalizing. No. That could be offensive to some small whoppers. Male whoppers, yeah. I mean, you'd want it. You'd, let me just tell them if you want to correct this for them. Okay. You'd want to say a whopperazo. Mm. Aso means like bigger. But they wanted to take whopper and burrito and. Yeah, see, we, they think the ito is what makes it sound burrito, but it's really. They, they say this small. is one of the first times that they've tapped into the Tex Mex category. One of the fastest growing categories of food in the country. Wow. Consumers like the freshness of it. They like the mix of flavors. Of so hamburger with queso. Burger King's tapping into the Tex-Mex mm. freshness. And they say it's because you know, there's been some Tex-Mex type restaurants that have had some E. coli issues. Yeah. And they're going to pick up the people that normally buy $9 burritos so they can buy one for $3. That tastes like a Whopper. It tastes like a hamburger. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. And as they say, it's not too spicy. It's funky, but not polarizing. 
Okay, good. Good. Good luck with that. What do you think? That's a fail. <laughs> it's only going to be available for like four months. When you think, mm, I want me a burrito, mm-hmm. do you think I'm going to get a Whopperito? But it's interesting, no. the idea of a hamburger with queso sauce. Oh, sure. That could be interesting. But you could go get a hamburger, pull into your 7-Eleven, go get yourself some queso sauce, mm, uh-huh. put some Slim Jims but, on it, bada-bum, bada-bing, <laughs> you're set. But they, I don't know. In, I know. In the, it's, it's in a tortilla, though, and usually you put it in a tortilla, all of a sudden, it's portable. <laughs> oh, boy. Whereas I, with a hamburger, it gets kind of messy because it falls out the other they end. They just need to stay focused on their on their own food. Fresh, keeping it fresh. Don't worry about the Tex Max fresh. I mean, throw a queso on it, sure. Right. They should call it Cheesy Whopper. No. They could. Whopper Easy. They could call it che- Cheeto flavored Whopper. That, those were nasty. Those macaroni, yeah. mozzarella, cheese stick. Oh. They sounded great, though. They sounded fantastic. Um, we will take a break. Leave you with that beautiful thought of a Whopperito. Uh, yo quiero dos guaperitos. It doesn't sound right. It's just wrong. Come on. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to be talking about your kids going back to school. Julie K. Nelson will be joining us, talking, uh, hopefully, giving us the insight as to what we do as parents as we're taking them back. What's the bridge we build to get them back into school so they can succeed? Stick with us. We'll be back in just a bit. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio, Julie K. Nelson joins us. We call her the bomb mom, the child whisperer. The blueberry muffin bringer. The blueberry muffin toter. She brought Ben a present. For his last day. I mean, we've talked about... It's a big moment. Ben got something. <laughs> we have, we're talking about food all morning. We got it. We did squeaky cheese. We yeah. did ice cream. Now did we got muffins. That? Now we got muffins. And uh, and you also know that Ben's little nickname around the studios here is the Muffin Man. Is he? Yeah. So oh, this turned okay. out perfect. Do you know the I've, Muffin Man? I've never heard uh, he that. He lives on Drury Lane. Yeah. Uh-huh. I've, I've never heard that nickname. <laughs> well, that's just what we say behind your back. <laughs> but Ben's off to, um, he'll, he's going to just go do some community ordered service. Uh-huh. Wear a cute little orange jumpsuit around town for about four days, and then they're shipping him off to Hawaii. Okay. He's actually, I mean, I think they're actually literally remanding him. <laughs> well, well, so I'm i am going to Hawaii for the service because of things I've done. Yeah, back, uh-huh. um, back Well, home. Oh, uh, oh, okay. he's, he's, it's, Aloha. It's the Aloha ben. spirit. Aloha, yeah. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Aloha, boy. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. So Julie's here to help us. Um, figure out about, uh, as a parent, how do we set our kids up to succeed as they're going back to school? Right. And we're all excited because we're just days away from that momentous. Oh, oh I love that Are day. we just so excited to get those kids back to school? But my kids are dreading it. <gasps> yeah. So In fact, I do? saw the funniest uh, thing someone shared with me. They said, um, you've heard of a swear jar before, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so oh, someone yeah. said they had a mom jar. 
And every time the children said the word mom, they had to put a dollar in there. And she said, I'm up to $50 million and it's only been 30 minutes. Wow. <laughs> that, the problem with that is you'd think they'd learn to just call you other things, which <laughs> no, would be it's that. mom, mom, mom. It's like those uh, those seagulls in that movie. That's right. Mine, mine. Mom, yeah. yeah, mine. Yeah, so you're tired. You're just like so tired of kids around and you're ready to send them off. But are you send them off successfully to do well in the school arena? That's the key. the summer arena at home is completely completely opposite and almost counter uh-huh. counterintuitive. Their sleeping con- is off. Con- their schedule's yeah, off. Yeah, it's just contradictory to what they're going to be expected to school. So here's four ideas of parents, how to get your kids ready now, get them ready cool. for school to do well, and then keep it up when school starts. First yes. one is teach them and, and talk out loud about cause and effect. Because we're going to be learning about pro-social skills in school. And if they're not learning it now and you don't verbalize it now, they're not going to learn, oh, if I do this, then this happens. And mm. school is all about pro-social behaviors, right? right? And so I, I used to teach school and I've raised five kids. So I know, you know, part of school is being academically smart, but yeah. the other part is getting along with others. And that's always what they say. She doesn't <laughs> play well with others. Yeah. And that's really impar- important part of actually doing intelligently well. Mm-hmm. And so if you are teaching your children cause and effect and pro-social behaviors, then it's going to reinforce that at school because the teacher's not going to be able to sit down with every single child one-on-one and say, hey, Johnny, do you know if you do this? They don't have time for that. So do it at home. So first of all, say things like how their actions might affect others at home. So you could say, you know, if you let Hannah use your crayons, she'll probably let you use her markers. And then you can both have different types of, hmm. of writing. So you speak out loud the things that would benefit them in social behaviors instead of just kind of let them just figure it out out and then end up fighting and and then throwing markers at each other because they're not sharing. So you, you suggest what would happen if, and then plant those ideas in their head. So when they're in school, they're like, oh, oh yeah, I remember if I share then, this will happen to me to benefit me, cause and effect. So you're kind of thinking, project this down the road a mm-hmm. bit. Let them anticipate situations and scenarios. So watch for it at home, parents, because you're the first, your child's first and best teacher. And so the teachers don't have at school a lot of time and resources to one-on-one with your child. So do it so that at school they they do these behaviors on their own better. They don't have to wait and then find lots of negative mm-hmm. um, outcomes because they are don't play well. Another idea would be like if you said to your child, if you don't hang up your backpack each day, you'll probably forget where it's at and then you'll have to go to school without it. And this is kind of like the cause and effect, you know, the, the consequences. So teach the cause and effect consequences then follow through with these things and teach them empathy you know how does it feel when you help someone else Mm -hmm. these are all pro-social behaviors so talk out loud say these things that are teaching moments now and throughout the school year another thing is uh i hate to say this but we all know like you said before matt summer is loosey-goosey oh i mean bedtime Uh. what's that yeah. What's be- meal times? Regular what? We sit down together, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, we just grab and go during the summertime. So it's time to start making those schedules of what we do to make life happen. And it has to happen early on um, before school even starts to get them regulated so that there's not like a great big shock that we have to go to bed at a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then we're starting planning out, you know. Because it takes time to just get adjusted and your brain to get up to speed. Yeah, sleep, you can't just make up sleep in a week. Right. So, you know, you got to make sure that it's not a rude awakening when they go back to a highly structured classroom. Because yeah. I'll tell you, this classroom is opposite to what we do in the summertime. Right, right. So have a schedule. Um, ha- have them daily chores. If they're not doing like daily chores during the summertime, which they should be still. You bet, you bet. Oftentimes we neglect that as well. But daily chores, get them back into, you know, who's helping with unloading the dishwasher, you know, and make sure they're doing their bedroom practice 
practicing, whatever it is that you have them do, make sure there's a consistent schedule that they're following it. Give them support um, and then model these things. If they're not good at it now, parents, if you if you suck at this, you don't do good, then you know, getting consistent scheduling and chores, then say, this is how we clean a bathroom. Mm-hmm. And then model it for them. Show them how to do it. Take pictures of what a clean sink looks like, you know, whatever it takes. But, this is a clean sink. <laughs> and this is the steps to do it. Yeah. And so scaffold these things so that they know how to follow a project from beginning to end because cleaning a bathroom beginning to end is just like going to school and following a project from beginning right. to end. And there's a lot of projects that happen at school. Some people, though... It sounds like they they think it's too hard to teach that because it's just easier to clean the bathroom. Yeah, themselves. But that's, I guess, the hard role of parenting is do the hard thing. Let the kids learn how to do it. Like every time I have my kids do something that they haven't ever done before, my wife looks at me like I've like I've just thrown them to the devil. <laughs> um, like you're going to let them do that. Well, sure. I mean, they're they're big. Do you kids. realize what's going to happen? Our they house can, will explode. They can do this, <laughs> and and it actually would give them an empowerment, you know, view of themselves. But also, there's tough stuff you can do. Yeah, and you know, I think especially moms, maybe dads too. But since moms, their domain is the home, they start to implode when their children don't do things exactly right. Parents, especially moms, let go. Don't let your OCD take over. Yeah. If your children, if you say, okay, I want you to fold the laundry, and it's not perfectly folded, and the towels are not absolutely straight and they put it in, you know, it's okay. Let go. Let them know that they're doing a great job and they're working towards achievement, but they're not quite there yet. But they can't, you have to expect age-appropriate things and they can't always be to your level of momhood Mm -hmm. because you're an an adult. And so don't make the chores so awful that they hate it. Celebrate what they can do and look over what you can. And then as they get older, expect a little higher level of performance. But Gosh, you know, just let them have a schedule. Let them um, have some discipline of we do this work before play and don't make it so miserable that everybody hates doing it. But just the fact that they're just doing something that's consistent each day, yeah. like folding the laundry or making their bed. Their bed may not be perfect, but it, they made it. It's theirs and it's they'll get to sleep in it tonight. They'll, they'll sleep in it and they'll make it, they'll make it messy again. And then as they get older, we can up the level, yeah. you know, raise the bar of, of making their beds, but just celebrate the, 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 the effort right now. And then eventually you'll have them making your bed. <laughs> Which is even better. <laughs> I hope. I hope. So just That's make true. sure that they do those chores. They have a schedule. We sit down and we have some meals, consistent meals throughout the, the week. And it may not be perfect, but just get it done so that they have a routine. That's the important thing is routine. That's the key. We'll take a break. We're speaking with Julie K. Nelson from the website, a spoonful of parenting.com. You're going to want to go check out her book, Parenting with Spiritual Power and... Oh, keep it real and grab a plunger. 25 tips for surviving parenthood. That's such a great name. More with Julie when we come back. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Friends, the Matt Townsend Show in studio with us, Julie K. Nelson. She is the bomb mom and the child whisperers, what we call her. She has a wonderful website, a spoonful of parenting.com, but she also teaches classes uh, such as applied parenting and marriage and relationship skills at Utah Valley University and is uh, one of our great contributors. Today, she's walking us through getting the kids back to school, what we need to do 
to make sure they can succeed. Pro-social behavior is what you're teaching us. We've got to make sure they're skilled and they're tooled in more than just, you know. Math and reading. Mm -hmm. They've got to know how to deal with people, anticipate, be responsible, handle consequences. And then have start a schedule. Those two things, first of all, do those two things. Talk out loud, constant effect, pro-social behaviors. My effect, my behavior affect other, affects others um, and awareness of others. Second of all, um, get a schedule. Parents start doing things consistently, a routine, having them have expectations for chores and have a little you know, job chart and, you know, this is what we mm-hmm. do each day, that kind of thing. Get it going. Um, third. Teaching them mistakes is a good thing because I'll tell you what, in school, it's all about making mistakes and the learning process. It's fine to make a mistake. No one ever gets, you know, the the problem right the first time. You know, I mean, the whole worksheet. That's what pencils have erasers for. Mm -hmm. School's about learning how to fail and then how to figure out how I failed on that math problem and then figure it out correctly. Or you have a sloppy copy for your, you know, paper and then you, you know, do another edit, you know. So school's all about the process of learning. But at home, we expect them to get it right the first time every time yeah and why didn't you do this and we yell at him you know you didn't get this done and it's not done right and you didn't get your shoes on the right feet and we don't realize that there's a process of learning at home as well Mm -hmm. so let them make mistakes my son was cleaning the bathroom yesterday what he was yeah he what he cleaned the bathroom how old and he's 14 what and you'd think at 14 he'd get it right i've gone through the steps and he was so proud he's like i got it done mom i'm like okay let's go up and let's have a look at it you know (laughs) I'm just in my head thinking, it's not going to be good. What's he going to have? And and we talked earlier about letting them be, you know, do the best they can. And I've done that throughout the years, you know, letting them at the whatever level of performance they can do and then celebrate that. And so I went up there and said, now, you know what? This looks great. This, you know, look at these counters and look at this. And and then I said, now look more at, tell me how you did the bathtub. (laughs) Speaking of bathtubs, Ben, did he use ice cream on the break? He didn't. He didn't clean it with ice Raven cream. Raven ice cream. It's great <laughs> okay, in let's tubs move on. Too. Let's move on. That, I, should, I should have given him. But, uh, I should have given him some. But you know, I said, "What about this?" And it, you know, the the fact is, is that it's a, a part of learning. Oh, I missed that spot. Oh, yeah. And it's it's not that. What's wrong with you? Mm. How, how, how can't you? Don't you have two pairs of, uh, a pair yeah. of eyes? Can't you? You know, we just get so mad at them because they didn't do it the way they're supposed to. Right. But at home, it's a learning process of how we um, progress towards the next level of achievement. And along the way, there's going to be mistakes. They may break something, and we don't come unglued because mm-hmm. they break something or they missed their soccer practice because they forgot about it. It's a process. Okay, let's see. You forgot about your soccer practice. What can you do? Not me as a parent. What can you do next time so you'll remember? Mm, and how can I great. help that? Because they're going to make mistakes and we don't become unglued because what that does is if we become unglued and start yelling at them for the mistakes they make, they're never going to learn the lesson. Yeah. Because they're too busy fighting and defending themselves from right. the scary parent. Then, then it, the, if it's not safe to fail, then it might not be safe to risk and try. Mm-hmm. So we just basically are demanding success, but at a mediocre level. Yeah, and we also are demanding perfectionism, which yeah. is really impossible, uh, and, and it c- causes anxiety in kids that they have to be perfect mm. every time. So let them make mistakes. Don't become unglued parents. Use it as a teaching process of, hey, you know what? I said to Daniel, hey, you've got 95% of the bathroom. Good. I mean, that it's great. Nailed it. Nailed it. 5%. Let's work great. on it. Take you five minutes to figure that out. So 95% of it, you got it done, buddy. Right. And so help them to learn how to look at mistakes in a positive way. It's great. Okay, last one. And everyone and start cringing. Oh I know. Oh I know. Oh boy. The parents, I, I just, uh, it's so counteractive 
what we have in our hands. And uh, this Pokemon Go thing is just reinforcing it. But technology is really counteractive to what's going on in the classroom. Teachers are not technology. They're not going to entertain, and they don't do these 30-second, you know, um, sound bites. Right. So take the technology out of their hands and limit it, parents. And they probably had free reign all summer. But it's time to say, hey, you know what? We need to start pulling back on technology and saying, how, what is a reasonable amount of time that you should be on your iPad or on the computer or whatever it might be on your phone? If they've got phones, you know, what's a reasonable amount of time? Because the brain activity that's going on that's being entertained by the, by the phone or the iPad or the game they're playing is going to really um, hinder their ability to pay attention, have focus on a teacher who just sits there oh, and right. just talks and is right. not entertaining at school. And their mind's going to drift, mm. and they're going to actually go through some major withdrawal. Yeah. Technology does program your brain, <laughs> brain to They're going to look like a dick. bunch of drug addicts <laughs> yeah, at recess. They are. <laughs> and their hands are going to start shaking, and it's going to be ugly. Yeah. So really start to wean them off their technology. I know this is a terrible topic because it That's looks so it looks like taking cocaine from an addict. It mm-hmm. really does in many cases. We, did you hear our interview today with uh, the professor that found the notifications messages um, create the same effect – on a child or a teen as um, ADHD. Mm. So the inattentiveness, the ability to focus, hyperactivity. So taking the technology away is a great idea and eventually, I mean, I guess help them learn how to use it so they can still do their homework and yeah, they get that bling, bling, yeah. bling and it, and it about really, every 30 seconds. Them. And it's very distracted because they can't follow through a thought. Same symptoms as ADD. Yeah, because ADHD. it's teaching, it's rewiring their brain to have that very uh, short attention span. I believe that. I didn't mm-hmm. hear your guess, but it's totally true. And so teach them how to use it wisely. And like when my kids are sitting with me and they get the bling and they look down and they're going to grab their phone. I'm like, you know what? That can wait. That, you bling that again. <laughs> Daddy's going to crush you. <laughs> you don't have to look it. at your phone every time there's a notification. Yeah. It's very hard because it it's almost this um, cause and effect. Like the, oh. the, the, Pavlovian, Pavlovian, the Pavlovian thing with the dog. Right. You know, they start to salivate. So really it's tough. It's rah. You know what you could do? Ben does it, which is fantastic. He just has a flip phone. And that is, that is the best thing it, ever. His is the look old school... At- Kind I of feel like I'm phone. in a museum. It's fantastic. Uh, they're really hard to find. They're rare. And um, Is there a phone plan for those? No, there's no phone plan. He <laughs> actually can't call anybody. <laughs> but interesting thing, he doesn't get any notifications. I'm trying to think of a rebuttal. No, it I really is can't. a good... I, I like that idea, Ben. That is, I think, a smart idea. Because then... <laughs> thank you. You don't get as many interruptions. You don't... He doesn't get any dates either, I'll tell you. <laughs> Yeah, it's been hard on the dating life, and he's trying to launch a new business, so it's hard to launch. Oh, no, she did <laughs> No customers, Ben. You know, you're yeah. not going to run a business off a flip phone. <laughs> Someday, he's going to move up after he starts making big money at ravenicecream.com. My empire from the dust. Yeah. Your empire that strikes back. Your empire. By the way, it does strike back if you're lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The because it's ice cream, and the problem about Ben that nobody knows is he is a guy making ice cream that's lactose intolerant. Are you really? Some have argued if there's actual lactose in my ice cream. That's exactly true. Some thought it was just white out. <laughs> but um, that was a bad batch. That was a very bad batch. Uh, so so this going back to kids thing. Uh, we'll we'll move away from Ben for a second. Um, Even same, though he is a kid, we'll say in the same ballpark. Yeah. 
So the kids, the uh, okay. Here's a question for you. Let's say you have spoiled, not spoiled. Let's say you've you've done something for your children. That, like let's say you have six kids. Let's right? say you just kill yourself right there. Hypothetically, let's okay. say you have six. Okay. And the first couple, you did something for them. You know, maybe I don't know. You whatever. You bought them a car, or you let them go to a dance, whatever. Um, at a certain age. And then you find out, you know, it's probably better that we don't do that. And you learn as a parent. Do you switch the deal and then treat and then parent effectively and do what, you know, is just healthy? Or am I now under obligation because I've set a precedence? I, I feel I'm getting vibes from you that this is like we're using a personal example here. Yeah. yeah this yeah. is well, this is I have a friend. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> who has Let me give you an example. This. My parents, uh, my oldest daughter was extremely responsible and the perfect child, and I was not. Yeah. And I had this, I did this thing called, I'd go out with my friends and we'd hang out and we'd go TPing. I don't know yeah. if you know about that, oh, but that yeah. was our fun uh-huh. back in the day. Toilet papering. Yes, for those not in, in the, the trees. Uh-huh. And that, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I was out, you know, doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And we'd also go to midnight movies. That was the big <gasps> deal. And so... I'd come home wasted the next morning. I mean, not wasted like no, as far as alcohol, but you were like not I was, I was no no good the next morning because yeah. I was out playing, you, you know, out, doing yeah. you know movies you and were stuff. At midnight playing yeah. a gidget. Yes, uh, yeah, uh-huh. the Brady Punch, yeah, yeah, and doing and throwing toilet paper in people's trees. Yeah, and my parents saw I was no good the next day, and it was just not a healthy thing for me to be out doing stuff with kids at that time of night. Right. So they they pulled me in and said, you know what, um. We have allowed this to happen, but we can see that it's not a good thing for your um, emotional, social health, physical health. Yeah, and um, we're now seeing the the, ben- the 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 what's going on here, and so we want to um, now create this safe boundary that we didn't do before. And we're sorry we didn't see this earlier, but as parents, it's a learning process, and um, we are now. Um, realizing that this was not a good thing. Mm. So no more midnight movies. Well, I'll quest- oh, I pouted. I stamped yeah. my feet, you know, Ooh. 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 Yeah. you know, and uh, no, nothing past midnight. If you want to go TP someone's house, get it done by, by midnight. So midnight's the time. Really? You got to be in bed. Yeah. What did Which is really hard to do because people are still up and you, yeah. can, you, you can't sneak around. But... What did your parents say about that big eagle tattoo on your back? <laughs> And you got to get rid of the eagle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't have that. But the midnight thing really cramped my style, and they had to like pull back. They had to change back, like what you're saying. You have to learn. And I was like, oh, but you know, it's something I've had the freedom, Mm -hmm. and it was really restricting me. It was really cramping my style. I was really mad at them for a while. Um, But the the fact they do it lovingly and say, you know, and you can even say, you know, for the older children, this wasn't an issue. Right. Or we didn't know better, and we're learning. It's a learning process. Just like you learn, we make mistakes. We're learning, we're learning. and it would be it would be stupid of us to keep making the same mistakes. Yeah, you wouldn't want us to keep making mistakes. No. And so, you know, we're now we're we're doing something better, and we're making uh, we're becoming a better parent. And yeah. and we change for each child too. We have to adjust for each child. I used to say, well, we we actually used to spank the first two. <laughs> And we don't spank them anymore. Yeah. So you're being blessed by these changes. Exactly. Too. I spanked my first one and then I stopped. I realized that yeah. was not working. That's not working. So, you know, we, we were, yeah. it's, a, it's a work in progress. You got to learn. And kids are going to pout. They're going to stamp their feet. They're probably going to slam doors and right. be mad at you. But you know what? You just lovingly tell them, I'm learning. So help me to learn. And, 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 and I want to do this for your benefit. That's great. Yeah. And, and, and so, spend some time getting them ready to go to school. But... Don't wait till the night before. Exactly. All these four things, try them, start doing them now. Get a routine, 
uh, start limiting the technology, you know, help help them to learn through their mistakes and teach them pro-social behaviors. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's all you need to know right there. From the queen herself, Julie K. Nelson, the, the bomb mom, go to her website, a spoonful of parenting.com. Wonderful resources there. You can read all of her blogs and uh, listen to all of her past interviews as well. We'll take a break. Come back. Wrap up the show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. As we wrap it up, you'll notice we we didn't go visit our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. They were in the middle of an interview that they couldn't break away from. We also told them it was Ben Wozden's last day, and they're like, ooh, we're going to have to miss that. They were upset, Ben. Hard pass. Hard pass. Hey, it's National Polka Day. What better day to celebrate the love of our Ben Wozden? Then with a little polka. We're sending him off to the big leagues. First, a little community service, wearing an orange jumpsuit, working around town, cleaning up stuff. Then we'll send him to uh, Oahu, Laie, is that where you're going? Yep. Where he'll hang out with his buddies, do a little surfing, a little surf drowning, and a little baking of the body flesh. All in the set. All necessary for a trip to Hawaii. Then you'll come back to BYU, start school, and start a new job where you're going to go out and change lives. One scoop of ice cream at a time. Yep. It reminds me of a story about three men charged with stealing $12 million from investors. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Listen to this. Three men were arrested on charges that they cheated investors who thought they were contributing over $12 million to produce major films, but they only discovered that their money went to other projects and to pay personal expenses for these guys. The U.S. attorney in Manhattan said that the defendants used lies about making feature-length films and documentaries to entice investors. They even claimed in the 2014 lawsuit... uh, that uh, actors Nicolas Cage, Willie Nelson, Harry Connick Jr., among others, were going to be in these documentaries. Now, I don't know if they have a case because we happen to have found a trailer for one of the movies that we wanted to play. Do you think that these men were stealing from uh, 12 million people from all of these uh, or 12 million dollars from these people? Or is this just good movie making? And, um, what happened? Harold. I'm a policeman. See my badge? I, I was singing at his 75th birthday party. You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, do you X, Y, things? Huh? Very good. You know your alphabet. This was the horse. That his little lost arm had written, she was his wife. Mm. That, That's good. It's probably pretty confusing just hearing that. Watching it, it, it looked like a pretty it good movie. Different. Yeah, I liked how he was like like doing the letters with his hands as he was saying it. I know. Like, I, I don't understand how you can bend your hands yeah. that way. I thought Harry Connick Jr. was going to play a bigger part in the movie, but it was a, it was no, a lot of was, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, he was a supporting actor. I and think. then I like how they brought in Willie at the end. 
I know. I, I think he there was a lot That's of good. tension in the yeah. trailer, and he kind of just eased all of that. I don't know what the whole suit's about. That seems like some pretty serious movie making. Yeah. Huh. Well, we'll let them sort it out in the courts. We can't do everything here. But be looking for it, folks. An incredible film with Nicolas Cage, Willie Nelson, Harry Connick Jr. to be released someday, not yet determined. So sad. Hey, um, we always like to end the show on a uh, on a hero story. And what better hero than listen to this? Honestly, a North Texas woman was faced with a seemingly impossible decision: receive a liver transplant or give up her spot to a young woman that would likely die on the waiting list. 69-year-old Brenda Jones of Dallas made the decision to stay on the organ donation list just a little bit longer. Jones is a great-grandmother who spent a year waiting on a transplant because her liver was failing. She knew her life would continue because someone else's ended. You kind of put that out of your mind that someone else is going, uh, going to have a second chance, she said. The day came on July 18th of this year. Jones got the call she was waiting for and was rushed to the Dallas Baylor University Medical Center. Brenda Jones and Abigail Flores uh, inside the hospital. 23-year-old Abigail Flores, a stranger to Jones, was fighting for her life. Flores was flown to Baylor by helicopter from a small town in East Texas. Flores' liver was failing uh, her as well. Doctors say without the transplant, she would live at best another day. Surgeons knew that Flores would move uh, on the transplant, move up on the transplant waiting list, but they also knew that uh, the time would probably be too late. So there it goes. This wonderful Texas woman, 69-year-old Brenda Jones, gave up her liver and let Flores take it. And uh, in the end, her selfish act saved a life. Jones got the second chance at life. She reached the top of the wait list and received an organ just a day later. I think she saved my life, Flores said. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I thank God for her each and every day. So you, Brenda Jones, are the hero of the Matt Townsend Show. Man alive. We couldn't do it without you. There's heroes out there, folks. They're among you. You are those heroes. And you don't have to give up an organ to be a hero. Sometimes you can just make ice cream and make people healthier and happier and make life better. We send off our cute little Ben Wasden. Best of luck to you, Benjamin. Thank you, thank you. You cute little stud, you. And uh, we'll be having another day of work tomorrow, even though Ben won't be here. Stick with us, folks. Come visit us tomorrow. More ideas, more information to help you live longer and stronger. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, make it a great one.